podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. Hello. And welcome to the Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to episode 419 of Film Bastards. My name is Ian Loring, and as always, I am joined by... Mark Foster. Hello, everybody. There is Mark. Um, Becky will be along at some point. She's not home from work yet. Um, but joining us for, uh, you know, I, I, I think... A bit of a Venn diagram of uh, art and blockbuster in the main <laughs> review, for which there is only one man who can be called upon. Um, we have got him. We have yanked him away from whatever three-hour-long black and white Scandinavian epic he's been uh, watching. Clawed him away. It is his film, her movies. Jordan McGrath. Hello, Jordan. Hello, all. There, the silky smooth sounds of Mr. Restrepo himself. Um, coming up on this week's show, we have got a couple, well, a, a, a very all over the place show, actually. So we've got five, I think, main things to talk about. Uh, we are going to be talking Denis Villeneuve's Dune Part 1. We can say Part 1 now because Part 2's been greenlit, uh, which, is, which is nice. Um, we have got Jordan and I talking Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch. Uh, we have got all of us talking about Titan, Titane, Titan, E. Who knows? Uh, we have got the Patron's Choice review, where we will be talking about David Lowry's Pete's Dragon. We have got a retro review, which I don't believe Jordan has seen, and uh, you know, good for him. Um, <laughs> Jan de Bont's The Haunting. Um, and then after this, we're recording the Hellraiser show. So, fucking hell. Um, so, I, I will uh, be quick. Patreon.com forward slash film bastards. Uh, we have uh, Jesus fucking wept the Hellraiser shows uh, continuing on there. Like I say, we'll be recording our thoughts on Deader and Hellworld after recording the show, and then thank fuck we end them next week. Um, 
just Jesus Christ. Um, also, patrons get to choose uh, the patrons' choice review. Uh, and um, next week we'll be talking about Uruksuka Doji, Legend of the Overfiend. <laughs> Tomb of the Demon Womb. Is that what it means? No, it's it's the first two books in the Uruksuka Doji um, trilogy. Um, right, and they are um, Legend of the Overfiend and T- um, Tomb of the Demon Womb. <laughs> and but they're a film, yeah, yeah, they're a film, yeah. It's all that, that's okay. the it, that's the that, that's the film. The full the full title of the film is a Rutsukadoji Legend of the Overfiend Tomb of the Demon Womb. <laughs> Great. Great, great. <laughs> we'll talk about that next week. John, have uh, you seen Arutsukadoji? I haven't. I've just brought it up then. No, I I haven't, no. <laughs> um, I don't think Ian knows that much about it. Um, I, I'm going I'm to go in blind. I, he's going to go in cold. Um, yeah, I, I am, I'm expecting some messages. <laughs> great, great, great. So I've got to watch that and two Hellraiser films in the same week. That's brilliant. It's really fucking (laughs) fucking pleased about that, guys. I tell you what, brilliant. Um, So uh, that's brought my energy down a bit. Let's um, do you know what? Let's skip news. Um, like it just you know sad stuff and things being announced, and that's about it, really. I kind of feel like we got a lot to get through. Did anyone have any anything burning that they wanted to talk about? No, I actually don't know what's happened. To be honest, yeah, the, 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 the you know, with the exception of the you know, like you say, the the, the, the sad news, which I, I, I just don't think is something we need to we need to cover. You know, there's there's there's, there's far too little detail out there about that. I think it's been it's been a week that's kind of not had that much in it. Like I said, there's been the June announcement, but not not much apart from that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um. We we do have trailers though. We do have trailers. So um, and some interesting ones I think this week. Um, anyone got anything that they wanted? Actually, no. I'll kick off with one. There's another Bruce Willis film. Uh, Deadlock. Oh, I, I saw this. I haven't watched it. Um. So it looks like he takes a damn hostage and has some sort of demand and says, "If you don't do it, I'm gonna flood thing. I'm gonna flood the place." And somebody I've never heard of is the like first build, and then he's the second build. He stands up. He walks about outside. Is it him walking though, or is it is it the the standing because he refuses to walk unless they give him an extra two mil? I think he walks. I, I just love the fact that you said he's took a damn hostage, as in like he's literally tied a damn to a chair. John, at this <laughs> yeah. point, would that surprise you? Well, yeah, that would be an impressive sort of the start of GoldenEye. Be Bruce Willis jumping off, trying to um, imprison a dam. Uh, you, you, you don't want to see what uh, Bruce Willis's quote is for jumping. <laughs> uh, I mean, just the the further, um, just. Besmirching of whatever 
Bruce Willis represents continues. But do you know what? I say that, but then again, there's a Call of Duty skin at the moment which I want to buy, which is the rabbit from Donnie Darko who has a finishing move of um, uh, uh, teleporting a jet engine into its foes. So, I mean, culture's dead, isn't it, really? So, you know, <laughs> I, go get your money, Bruce. Um, I don't really want it, but I do, but I don't. It's 20 quid. 20 quid for that. Jesus 20 Christ. pounds. Yep. That's, 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 that's the price of a game. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 the thing is, it's for fucking Warzone. It's free to play, isn't it? So they they think they're justified in doing that. But yeah, um, and yeah, I know it's fucking ridiculous. It's like the fucking Die Hard one, which I did very nearly buy because I wanted to do you, me as Bruce Willis and you as Rambo. Uh, <laughs> like I think that that could have been fun, but it would have been twenty quid each, and that's not that's not right. Um, so yeah, Deadlock. It looks shit. But why is that a surprise? Um, what else? Uh, what what saw, have you guys got? I saw, I've got, I've I saw got a new few, Sandy but... B one. Oh yes, is it the yes? I was gonna yes. Mm. And what? Well, yes, George. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> no. Um, actually, on the still on YouTube of, of of the Netflix YouTube, I actually was surprised that it was Sandra Bullock. They did quite well in. I'm trying to use my words um, particularly correctly. Gaunting here, but, her up. Yeah, gaunting. I was, I was going to ugly in her up, but that's the wrong term. And it does look a little bit generic, a little bit your normal family thrillery, but the people involved. Yeah, it's a cast. I'm interested. It, like, you've got, you got Nofrio there, you've got Viola Davis, so there must be something there for them to actually bite into. So, fingers crossed, it actually delivers a little bit more than what the trailer's selling. But, it's on Netflix, I'll watch it. This, You see, this is the thing, it's like, it's on Netflix... I might watch it. Let's kind of see what the word is. That's just kind of how I I, I am with Netflix stuff. I mean, it goes into my overall thesis and whatnot, but that film Worth about the 9-11 victims, mm. I think Michael Keaton was in it. I haven't seen it yet because it, it... Yeah, no, I'm sure, I'm, and I'm sure it is, but it just disappeared, you know, and it, it, it's like, I don't think I've even seen it come up on my fucking algorithm. Um... And it's like, I'll get to it, but then there's been no heat behind it. And it, so it's like, I'll, I'm, I'm sure I'll watch it at some point. And it, it feels like this could be one of those for me, unless people are like, nah, do you know what? This is actually re- like real fucking good. Like, and the people are really getting behind it. And you, 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 you know, you don't get that with, with these, but I, uh, then again, I mean, Netflix are trying. Red Notice is playing at the cinema nearest to me next week. Really? You know, uh, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, you got Spencer and Eternals, and I think there's something else next week as well. So I'm probably not going to watch it in the cinema because it's then Netflix the following week. But they, they, you know, they are they are giving it a go. Apparently, Passing is in some cinemas from tomorrow as well. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. Well, well, you know, yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes, but it's not one I would I would go to the cinema for. I it's one say. of those things where, because like it was building up, it builds my mystery of what has Sander Bullock done to be in prison for twenty years. And I was, I was thinking, oh, right, well, that, the trailer that, tells you, yeah, exactly. And I was like, oh, that might oh, be right. something <laughs> dark. It might be something like she's holding a child. Does she she 
kill the child? Does she do something like that? Mm. Oh, no, it just looks like she's killed a cop by whilst protecting her sister, daughter, whoever that is. It's like, well, that's a bit yeah. boring, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, yeah. Was, I was the it, same with the trailer. I did, I did think... But is it a black cop, though? Is that like the Viola Davis character is like oh, his mum or his maybe. wife or something? Because yeah, it, it, that's a, that's an angle, isn't it? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, 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 I was the same. I was going, oh, ooh, is it? What's it going to be? What's it going to? Oh, it's that. Okay. <laughs> but that, like you said, that uh, cast it's it's a really strong. If this has just been one of those Netflix movies that had like one one big supporter, sort of like it was a Sandra Bullock and then a bunch of you know capable but not exactly you know recognisable actors, hmm. I'd have been like. Mm. But then when I said, look at the cast, I was like, oh, oh, I well, fucking care. Yeah, yeah, quite. Um, a film that I will see at the cinema, even though, uh, you know, probably much to my chagrin, Uncharted. Yes. Huh. Yeah, I mean... Uh, it just looks that, like... That, that's it, all I got. It looks so vanilla. <laughs> Um, it, it's just one of those that'll be over long. You'll have a few okay set pieces. It'll be Tomb Raider. It's like there's this part yeah. of the new Tomb Raider which I enjoy, but overall it was over long and dull. It, you know, I mean, it's I, I've 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 played the the four Nathan Drake Uncharted games, and they do a nice bit of Nathan Drake origin story stuff in Uncharted Three. And it's like, I'll be honest, I mean, and I, I get that not everybody's like invested that time, but it's like, I don't really need Tom Holland being Nathan, Nathan Drake. I mean, the, as a young Nathan Drake, it just, it doesn't feel right. Uh, Mark Wahlberg is Sully. I mean, God, it's been in development for so long that Mark Wahlberg was originally supposed to be Nathan Drake, for fuck's <laughs> yeah. sake. Um, but it, it, it just... I, you know, I mean, I don't want to be all not my Uncharted. I'm not that fucking wedded to it. But when you've also got action that looks so fucking unins- as uninspired and as green screen as this does, you know, it, 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 I mean, Antonio Banderas is a bad guy. Yeah, sure. You know, that that I'm sure that'll be that that'll be good times. Um, but I mean, when you got Tom Holland, like, so I mean, I I shared on the on the the, the WhatsApp uh, with you guys. There was uh, there was an article. That uh, Tom Holland was interviewed while um, shooting the film, where he was saying that he wasn't too, basically he wasn't too sure about his performance in it, and he kind of thinks he might have fucked it up, um, and which is re- fucking remarkable pre pre damage limitation. Uh, but g- g- credit to him, you know. I it's if, if this is anything above a three out of five. It will be in what in my surprises of next year. I'll fucking say that much. It's a question of when does Tom Holland get? I don't know. He's get judged for not being able to hold a film other than the Spider-Man franchise because of what I've seen. I mean, that Chaos Walking was a a bit of a a bit of a dud. Um, uh, the other Netflix movie which he. Is the leading again not great? Oh, uh, fucking what, the cherry. Oh, or was God. that apple? That was apple. Yeah, what no, was so, so, and, and, uh, and the devil all the time as well. It's 
Oh, God. It's How many chances is he going to get outside of that Marvel franchise to actually become a movie star? Because some people have it and some people don't. Now, Tom Holland is still very, very young. Um, but I think he lacks the overall charisma of uh, Chris Hensworth, uh, Chris Evans, to actually branch out, or maybe even, even the acting chops as well. Because you think about Chris Evans, he isn't the lead in a film like Knives Out, but he's one of the stars of it, and he's the one who shines as well as um, Anna Diamas. And I don't think Tom Holland has the, I don't want to say talent to do that, but he seems to be Peter Parker, and that's about it. That's all that he's got in his locker. The the fact that the big screen rom-com seems to have died is a bit of a shame for Tom Holland, I think, because I think the dude is charismatic and I think he can have chemistry and as the kind of like the likable every man person who he essentially, you know, is with Peter Parker, but just like a young man. I I think that would do well for him, but no, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, chaos walking was a disaster for myriad reasons. Mm. Um, he he needs to do a he needs to do a, a Arpat or a Daniel Radcliffe and just go off and just do some weird shit and see if he actually does have what it takes to be an actor, not a movie star. Because say, Daniel I mean, Radcliffe but... post Potter is there's a few misses there, but there's a fair a lot of hits, and he's become a proper proper actor since since finishing Potter. But I mean, the devil all the time. I think kind of was that. You know, I, 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 it was directed by um, Antonio Campos, wasn't it? Who did uh, Simon Killer? You know, and it, 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 it's if I remember correctly, anyway. Um, and it's that film is fucking weird. You know, I mean, that is a weird film, but it's also just this fucking bleak, unrelentingly nasty, nihilistic thing where it did feel like everybody was going in it because they wanted to show how serious they they could be. It was like Cherry. You know, I mean, like that. That's the. It, it's he. It, it it would be good to see him. I, I I I don't know. It just they both felt very being weird, but in a kind of like career focused way. The thing is, is uh, Cherry is an is an without question a bad film. It's just not yeah. very good, and it's it's also a little bit. I think you can also say a similar thing about the the Russos because that film's badly made. It's just it's lazy, mm-hmm. and it's 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 not a very good film. Um, and um, but uh, the devil all the time. Although I agree that it is it is overtly nihilistic and just nasty. Um, it, it, I can see why why some people would think that it, it could get something out of it, whereas Cherry, I am the exact opposite. I, I mean, it, Cherry was the Russos swaggering around with massive fucking bollocks, to thinking that they that you know they frankly thinking that they were hot shit when they were actually cold diarrhea with that film. You know, I mean, like yeah. that, that, I mean, like, you know, they sold it to Apple for like an absolute fucking shitload and they had Tom Holland. And then it's basically like a student ver- version of a Jonas Ackerland film. Yeah, it, 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 it just, no, no. I, yeah, I, I, 
I, I, I, best of luck to Tom Holland because I mean, like the dude seems like a genuinely nice guy, and he just like, yeah, it, 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 I. But I, I, this, I, this ain't it, Chief. At least based on the trailer. Mm. Yeah, um, I've got. I think. Oh, I've got two others. Go on. New House of Gucci trailer. Oh, I haven't seen that. <laughs> Oh, so come up to um, very, yeah, like literally in the last hour. Ah, right. Um, fucking, it it's gonna go one, just one of two ways. That film, and I can't wait for either one. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those films that I'm, I'm kind of. I, I'll be more. There's, a, there's actually two films um, out that we've got trailers to talk about uh, where I will be more disappointed if it's under two hours than if it's over two hours. Hell yeah! It it just looks like it's the Lady Gaga show mm. with a lot of really fucking talented people around her, and uh, it, that's absolutely fine. Mm. Let's go. Yeah, and it's it, it, it's it's out in like. What four weeks? I want to say November the twenty sixth. Yes, it is. Oh, nice. So, uh, yeah, fucking cannot wait. Uh, I got one more, which is probably weirdly probably the biggie of the week. Has anyone got anything else? No, uh, no. It depends what this one is. <laughs> uh, Lightyear. It's not Lightyear. <laughs> okay, go on then. Uh. We have a new Michael Bay movie. Oh, God. Do you know what? Let me just touch on Lightyear, because I think that probably is the, the, the big year of the week for this particular podcast. Lightyear, really looking forward to it. I think it's fucking amazing how weirdly tied up in knots people seem to be about, well, what what exactly is it, like, in terms of the world of the to- Toy Story universe. I don't really care. It just looks fun. Um, I, I don't classy see... music choice, unsurprising but classy. Yeah, I, I don't Go see on. how I don't see how people are that confused about it. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't care. It's a fucking Pixar film about the real person who inspired Buzz Lightyear. Fine, whatever. Yeah, that that's that's absolutely fine. It Move is, on. It is one of those. It's like I actually sort of went wait. Oh, fair enough. Do you know what? That's not a bad idea. I'd prefer that to Toy Story 5. And I'd prefer it to a, a spin-off of any of the characters. Why not? If if we, if we are going to get a family action film, great. Yep. Yep. You know, just that, that, that's it. You know, And that looks like what this is going to be. Doesn't look like it's going to be like aiming... Specifically for kids, it 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 feels like it knows that Buzz Lightyear basically kind of crosses generations at this point, and you could just have it be a fun fi- space film. Great, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I am, yeah. I'm actually, yeah. I enjoyed the trailer. It looks good. Yep, yep, absolutely. See how it goes. Uh, George, thoughts on it? Yeah, well, shit. I mean, it didn't really hit anything with me I thought it was a decent trailer and I'll watch it but it's not something that I was wanting at all um, I didn't even really, really even need know it was in, in development so when it popped on my um, YouTube feed I was like oh okay 
And my, my first question was like, well, how is it going to fit in? But then you, you realize what it's doing and I'm fine with that. And yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing how I'm kind of glad they went with Chris Evans because imagine having Tim Allen's name at the top of that. Kids would be like, who? Yeah, I, I was, I did look and think, right. They can't have. They can't, can they? No, thank Christ. <laughs> they they can't be planning on any more like Toy Stories in in that case though, because you'd imagine Tim Allen's probably a bit what the fuck. And you know, I mean, like I I'd absolutely understand why they went with Chris Evans. But if I was Tim Allen, I'd probably be a bit. I, All right I, then, cheers. He'll still I be think, getting I massive think, royalties yeah. for it. Damn. I, I think if 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 they contacted Tim Allen and said, "Will you do some TV spots as Buzz Lightyear, watching the Buzz Lightyear movie from whichever fucking kid's home he's in now?" I think Tim Allen. Oh, would that go, would be fun. I go. Yes, I will. <laughs> I absolutely will. Send me a check because no fucker else is. Well, he's got that last man standing show, which has no impact in the UK whatsoever, but it's really successful in the US. Like Tim Allen's doing all right for himself in his own kind of like conservative right wing way, and you know, there's there's an audience for it, and he doesn't seem to come out with anything too cancelable. So, you know, fair play. But at the same time, you understand why Chris Evans is doing this, and I love the fact that Chris Evans tweeted when this trailer came out, basically going, "I'm really fucking proud of this. I'm so excited for people to see it." You know, it's like he doesn't have to do that, but he is, and good on him. You know, I mean, it's maybe it's all career management. I don't know, but it's fucking working. Um, he could just as easily not say anything. I think I'm trying to say, yeah. Um, so yeah, ambulance. Go on, go on, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it just it just looks fucking great. <laughs> I, I hope it is bloated as hell. I hope it's two and a half hours long. I hope the entirety <laughs> of Twitter has a fucking meltdown about what is Michael Bay doing remaking a Danish classic, even though it's not exactly a Danish classic. Um, it, it just, I, I just, I hope it is everything that Bay stands for. Uh, because it, it's easy to forget <laughs> that, that Bay has made some good movies. That you know, Pain and Gain. <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna mute my mic. Pain and Gain was was a fun movie, and Pain again, is a great movie. Yeah, I, I love the fact that that the majority and and, and I I was one of these people, the, the Twitter people that, who think that 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 is movies. The Twitter sphere think that that is the entirety of movies exists for their little echo chamber, and it just doesn't. Um, and I am really looking forward to it. I want it to just be needless like, fucking explosions. And I just, I want to just bathe in the bayness of, of it all. And you've got, you, you've got Jake Gyllenhaal and a turtleneck. So it's pretty much a every quadrant fucking movie. It's, when I watched the trailer, it's the first time in a while when I watched the trailer, I was like, do you know what? I actually have no idea how they're going to structure this. Like, I have no idea how, mm. if it's going to be an hour and a half in the ambulance or 20 minutes or when stuff within the trailer is actually going to happen within the runtime. Like, generally now, what you do get is a very... 
vanilla way of actually editing trailers. So you actually you, you you can only understand the three act structure within the trailer. Whereas this, I'm just sort of like I have no clue. It, it could be the fact that two hours and a quarter of it is spent within like the four walls of an ambulance, and I'll be up for that. But I, I'd also be up for if it's like say two and a half hours long, and the first hour is the heist, and the yeah. next hour and a half is is in the ambulance. I think the majority of the Danish one is set within the ambulance, but Bay isn't going to do that. <laughs> I yeah I it so I, and again I said to you guys um, earlier in the week on this, but um, JQG was interviewed on the Empire podcast um, last week, and he. Um, Chris Hewitt was like talking about directors that he'd worked with and how like he, he he's worked with a couple of directors a couple of times and like how does he like talked about his relationship with them and then he literally says and I recently worked with Michael Bay and I got on really well with him and that guy really is all about cinema and the craft and blah blah, blah. and he was really effusive about Michael Bay and um that had me. That had me excited. I mean, the, the the trailer. I won't lie. I wasn't like huge on the trailer. Um, it, it it. I just again, like you guys are saying, you don't really know what it is. It, it, you know, I mean, obviously you know the story, but not necessarily what the film, how the film is actually going to be constructed. But you know, I get some almost Tony Scott taking a Pelham one two three kind of vibes from from this. You know, uh, or or unstoppable you know just like mid-level action like mid-budget action film but shot by a fucking genius yeah i mean mean, genuinely i i I think taking a pelham one two three tony scott's uh version of it it is one of the the great underrated uh action Mm -hmm. thrillers of the past 20 years it's fantastic uh, yeah, I mean, I, and genuinely has one of the best closings. I mean, Taken of Pelham One Two Three has one of the best closings uh, of, of any movie. But take away maybe Blowout and, and a couple of other bits, um, it has Travolta's one of Travolta's best on-screen uh, moments at the end of Taken of Pelham One Two Three. I mean, it's also got Lick My Bonghole Motherfucker, yeah. which is one of his greatest on-screen <laughs> moments. But it's not. It's not at the end. Uh, I mean, Jesus Christ, I like the film so much. I did, uh, I think it was the first defending that I wrote for Eat Sleep Live film back in the day. Um, like, I fucking love taking a Pelham one, two. That, man, I need to rewatch very soon. Um, but yeah, yeah. It, it, so, and I'm not necessarily, well, no, I mean, I think it's fair to say that Michael Bay is a genius in, in, in certain ways, in, in aspects, you know, I mean, like in action direction. There, there, there were probably few better. It's just there, there are other aspects of his filmmaking that there are many people who are much, much better. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, but that that that's absolutely fine. I, you know, it it I I don't feel like it's going to be another Six Underground. You Fingers know, like that. Yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ! But then again, Six Underground that first twenty twenty five minutes or so, brilliant. Is fucking it? Yeah, it's incredible, and then it just turns to absolute dreck it, after after that. Regarding action filmmaking and momentum and how to keep that at a pulsating level, he is the best person for it. It he is able to shoot and edit in a way where it, it's always seeming 
fast and refreshing. And I like that about Michael Bay. It's just when he actually has to tell a story, um, that's where it comes yeah. down. In his later career, however, early on in his career, he was decent. He had some decent scripts. I mean, I still love The Rock. It is brilliant. And so give him a good script and he will be able to direct the hell out of it. But I think the, the difference between something like, let's say, The, the Rock, for instance, and uh, Pearl Harbor, let's take two that are fairly close to each other, um, is that the, the Rock, the the propulsion of the movie is it, it, it's it's it is the action. The action is taking you from one place to another. Whereas mm. something like Pearl Harbor, it, it tried to go, right, we'll have the action here and then we'll have the story over here and the story over here and then we'll have the action here again. And that's where it doesn't work. It's why the the first Transformers movie worked really well because the action is taking you along the journey. Whereas in the later ones, it tried to do other bits at the same time and it ended up just being a, a, a mishmash of, of, of crap. But yeah, if this, if, 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 uh, Ambulance is, is closer to something like, like, um, The Rock or Bad Boys, um, then yeah, it could be really, really fucking fun. Uh, February, is it? for Or is it January for Ambulance? Uh, January, I believe. January, okay. That feels... That feels like it's in the bad boys for life. Mm. Everybody's got an over Christmas and New Year. There's a bunch of Oscar winning... Uh, like, Oscar botherers around. How about a nice oh, slice so, so, of, so of action? It is middle of February. Oh, okay. All right. So it's around Uncharted time. So, yeah. So um, it's, it's the 18th of February. So... It's guys going, do you want to go to the cinema for Valentine's? And girls going, uh, what have we got to see? Uh, G.H.G. and all in a turtleneck. And them going, yes, please. Yeah. Or Tom Holland in a wife beater. Yeah. Or a short, like, really small shirt, whatever the fuck he's wearing. Anyway. Uh, is, is Bex with us? She's not quite yet, no. Okay. Um, well, buckle in then, Mark. I want to say it as simple as I can, so try to shape it into words, the feelings in my heart. I don't love you. What? I don't love you. Already? Already what? Already? How do you know that? How can you be sure so quick? I'm sure. Ouch. That hurts me. The cruelty of it. The cold-bloodedness. You said what you wanted to say. I tried to stop you. That's it. I said part of what I wanted to say. I was in the middle of it. There is more. No. No what? Will you? No. Will you no. marry? Will you marry? Devoir te mettre dans ta camisole, force, t'emmener dans ta cellule, t'enfermer nouveau. Let's talk the French Dispatch. Ah, let's get let's get dispatchy. It's directed by Wes Anderson and stars pretty much everyone. I'm surprised I wasn't in it. Are you sure <laughs> um, you were? Oh, fucking wish, Jesus Christ! Um, so, uh, knowing my luck, I'd probably play the, pri- the yeah the prison warden in the first story, George. Uh, I think that would. I think it was uh, Dennis Menashe um, from uh, Inglorious Bastards and uh, Brad's uh, Christmas short fame. Yeah, um, but yeah. Uh, so, this is the story of the uh, French Dispatch of the. Oh, God. A paper in Kansas. The Liberty Sun? 
I don't. But anyway, it's been, it's been three weeks since I've seen it. So yeah, no. So and I maybe missed like the first two or three minutes because parking. Um. So anyway, um, it is essentially an anthology, which um. Oh god, I'm explaining this awfully. I'm ever so sorry. I'm going to start again. I'm going to forget to edit this out, but never mind. I'll show my working. Um, so this is the story of a newspaper, uh, no, a magazine like the New Yorker, which is uh, kind of like closing down after the death of its editor, played by Bill Murray. Um, and you get an anthology story where there's kind of like a travel section, uh, free stories, and an obituary. Um, so, uh, the three stories, uh, form the bulk of the film. The first is about a convict played by Benicio del Toro, who, um, creates, uh, works of art, which are brought to fame by an art dealer played by Adrian Brody. Uh, the second is about, uh, a revolution, um, and Timothy Chalamet is a young revolutionary. Uh, Francis McDormand is the journalist who uh, is uh, basically writing about the revolution and has an affair with him. Um, and the third is uh, the story of uh, Chef- uh, Jeffrey Wright's uh, kind of like food critic who becomes embroiled uh, in the story of a kidnapping of a police chief's son, the police chief played by Matthew Almerich. That, that's, that, that sums it up, doesn't it, George? I'd say pretty much. Yeah, cool. Um, at the start of it, Owen Wilson shows you around the city of uh, Blase. Uh, no, on uh, no, the city of Ennui on the river of Blase. Yes. Um, so, I am fucking convinced that Mark would be wanting to scratch his eyes out <laughs> watching this. Um, I, I, I'm fairly certain we're going to see it on Friday or Saturday night. We did, we did actually go out to see it, uh, but again, parking completely screwed us because it was a completely new place to us, and we couldn't find anywhere to park, and it just got too late to even bother. <laughs> yeah, I um, oh god, I got caught in some fucking nasty traffic going into Cardiff, and it was it was a whole thing, but I managed. I managed to like get there. I, it was like Owen Wilson was just like cycling around and talking about the place. I I got the sense, George, it had really just started. It'd probably be maybe like yeah, maybe five minutes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um. So, the French Dispatch. Uh, George saw this at LFF. I um, and. I'm in. I'm intrigued, actually, George. So this has been getting some pretty mixed reaction. Um. What what was the energy uh, like in the room like at at the uh, at the press screening? Um, to be honest, I actually do think it was quite mixed as well. There was a few laughs here and there. Um, I mean, mostly at the more slapstick elements of the film. But it's one of those things. Wes Anderson is a very mixed filmmaker. His style can either irk you or you can vibe with it, and he seems to have found his, I mean, even more so niche with the Grand Budapest Hotel, and this very much is within that wheelhouse. This isn't Tenenbaums or um, Life Aquatic, Wes Anderson. This is Budapest Hotel on crack. And I live for that. I live for the 
kookiness to, um, to use um, a word. To, I use. I, I love the overall aesthetic or the style, the way people act in his movies. It just seems everybody seems to fit, and I think that's why he uses everybody so much, or and even why people come back for such small roles. Because even though. I believe she's in the trailer. Saoirse Ronan's role in this movie is minuscule. Yeah, I mean, like, Elizabeth Moss is probably yeah. even less than her, eh? Absolutely. Um, I, yeah, I, it's... Um, uh, Tony uh, Ravioli, um, it, it, he, he played young Benicio Del Toro, didn't he? He did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like, it, yeah, That's the thing. I mean, it, it says something, doesn't it, about, like, the... the I think the warmth that people have for um, for Anderson and I think um, and for his set because I watched recently I watched and this isn't yeah, about yeah. the movie but I watched the um, Adrian Brody I think GQ do a series on YouTube it's like the films that made me or the talk through the career and he yeah, talks yeah, yeah. through firstly being on um, Darjeeling Limited and the way the set was and how Wes Anderson worked and in each one of his movies, it it just seems to be a very lovely, warming and, and kind set, and I think that's what really attracts them. I think he must have a nice camaraderie with not only his actors but his crew and wherever he goes. And I think that, and I think that comes across in his movies. Because I think a lot of people would do things that they wouldn't normally do. They do a little bit things more silly than they'd be normal. Um, in any other film, so I do appreciate that, but this is, and I think also because it's not a, it's not a cohesive story, so it is very much an anthology, and I, I think a lot of people who mm. go into this movie didn't maybe expect that, so it, it, that could be quite a bit jarring for them, but it's just an opportunity to get three different Wes Anderson short movies, and what is not to love about that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting because every time I go to a Wes Anderson film, I th- I just think like, am I, I? I always I always approach them trepidatiously, and I really don't know why. And I think I this film has made me realise. I think I need to embrace the fact that I think he's probably in my top three, top five filmmakers mm. working today. Oh, Sam, easy. Um, and, like, it, 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 it came as a surprise to me. And it probably doesn't come as a surprise to anybody else. <laughs> uh, um, but, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, there you go. It's Mark's knowing laughter, you know, and it, it's uh, absolutely... I fucking loved The French Dispatch. Like, I was into its world... Just incredibly hardcore, like the. I mean, it's not being talked about for Oscars and things like that. But if this fucking thing doesn't get nominated for production design, um, there it there there is just no sense at all. Um, like the 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 dude does create worlds, doesn't he? And he's he's done it again with this city. And the way that he's able to evoke a time and place in a city that doesn't actually fucking exist is 
remarkable. I mean, like, there's an exhibit in London at the moment that you can go to where, where like, it, 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 yeah, there's like uh, kind of like props and um, mm. uh, uh, and you can you can see all this stuff, which I I would dearly love to go to. Um, it and it, it's just it's such a an inviting world, um, but also it it is properly funny. I mean, the I can't I, I can't remember the fucking line, but there is Benicio del Toro laying out his kind of like love life story and like why he's in prison and whatnot, and he's just like, and that's why I've enrolled myself into uh, pottery and uh, arts for beginners <laughs> or something like that, and it, it's fuck it, it is great. Um, also, actually, uh, Mark, a selling point for you, uh, titties. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, Leah Sadu, like, full on, front, full frontal, uh, just to, uh, put that out there for you. So uh, but, um, um, right, so, yeah. So it's, already got, it's already got two stars then. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, so, sorry, uh, I'm classing down the joint there, but, um, <laughs> I, 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 I just. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but we're, we're, um, we're going to talk about two films that can't be more different, but they have two directors who can create worlds, as you said. It's like yeah. you've got Wes Anderson, you've got Denis Villeneuve, um, Denis Villeneuve, sorry. Whereas when I was watching French Dispatch, and it's again like I do think with Wes Anderson and his overall style, you can very much look at. Budapest and the French Dispatch as like the uh, crystallization of his vision uh, because if a window opens or something cracks or a door's ajar you know it's been thought out of and there's a reason for it that might be story wise or it just might be the fact that that is the best visual way of doing that and it is so cliche to say but He directs like an artist, so therefore the frame, I think, comes first, and then he manages to tell the story through that style, and that is just wonderful for me. It's like, there's so much, like, don't get me wrong, I do like Off the Cuff, and I do like some filmmakers who like to get things where maybe it wasn't rehearsed or anything like that, but I love the whole stilted, rehearsed energy that comes with Wes Anderson movies. It's just, it is like a warm hug for me. When I can put put the French Dispatch on, when I can do, and when it comes out on home release, I will be happy for the two hours that's on screen, actually one hour 45, because you just get transported to... A lovely place that I would love to visit. Yeah, yeah, it just it couldn't agree more. Um, I mean, the I was worried uh, the the Charlemagne McDormand section. I was a little bit worried there that I was gonna click out of it, and you know when they they like have sex and whatnot, I was a bit. Oh God, where's this going? And then the I, I I thought it was wise that it doesn't then focus on them. It's mm. almost just like they fucked and then it like it kind of moved on. She continued writing about him, but you know there was a connection there, but it wasn't necessarily a big love, and then it kind of like moves on. It was a really smart decision, but um, I mean, for, I, I, I 
to be clear, I really, really liked all the stories. Mm. Um, but I thought Jeffrey Wright was f- fucking incredible in this. Yeah. Um, there's, there's some shit in his basement with, with this performance that comes out in a, in, in a couple of times. There's the kind of like the, uh, the tangent that he's talking, talking to, with Lee F. Schreiber about, about why he writes about food. Which, like, fucking, like, quietly broke my heart. Um, and I, 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 it really, his performance really, really struck me. Um, in in a film with, as we as we said, a lot of performances. Um, I will say though, Saoirse Ronan. Yes, she was only on screen for a, a short amount of time. But if Saoirse Ronan ever wants to play uh, a, a heavily made up prostitute again, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm intrigued. Absolutely. Um, uh, you know, not not to be too thirsty on Maine, but um, yeah, that's uh, yeah. Um, I mean, the only way you could have got me first here is if Rebecca Hall was uh, I came in and started being passive aggressive. To be honest with you, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm going to stop talking now. Sorry, children. No, no, no. Uh, but I, th- I mean, I, I did enjoy all stories. My favourite still, I think, was the Del Toro, Leah Sadu one. Um, sure, and yeah. Just the entire pacing of that. And there's a scene where Del Toro tries to kill himself, which is just hilarious. And it just, yeah, it, it's, it's such like a teacher-pupil thing. Um, and it just works. And again, yeah, that... Just that, that sort of passive aggressiveness that I mean again, Leah Sadu is just so deadpan with her delivery. And you talk about like when yet yeah, she is full frontal in it, but there's even a joke like thirty seconds into that where like Del Toro goes up and he's sort of trying to see the, the, the model, it just slaps his hand away. And it's just like, no, yeah. get back to work. Um, yeah, she she she's got some pretty heavy step on me energy as well. Yeah, uh, Leah to do generally, but yeah. And and the interaction. Sorry, fuck it. I I need to. Do I need to go jerk off or something? <laughs> Sorry. And, and the, the, what Adrian Brody brings to that as well, and the realization um, of the final art piece and where it's painted and what that means is gold. Hell yeah! But yeah, it's one of those things that it's. And again, I go into Wes Anderson films, and I think I think I, I don't really go in with trepidation anymore because I don't know if I actually want him to do anything different. Like people like would be like, <laughs> yeah. is he a one trick pony? Can he only can he only make films in one way? And partly my answer to that is I don't care because he could make films like this for the rest of his life. It'll still be one of my favorite filmmakers. I don't need to see him make a run-of-the-mill thriller or anything like that because why take somebody out of their talent zone and just challenge them in a way which I don't think is required? It's like, I don't really... I I don't want Hitchcock to make a romantic comedy. Mm. I mean, yeah, I've not seen the film yet and I I am somebody who is very, very um, more towards the myth with Wes Anderson. But... Why would he ever need to make something that isn't a Wes Anderson movie? He's, you know, whether I like him or not, is immaterial. He very much is an author who who has his own style and has his own world. And I think you can tell very quickly 
with watching a Wes Anderson film, if you short, saw a still um, from a, a new Wes Anderson film that you know be heard of, and you said, oh, whose film is this? I would think you'd pretty much be able to go, shit, is that Wes Anderson? Um, so why, yeah, why would they need to make anything other than, than Wes Anderson movies? It, it yeah. would make no sense. And I would probably say that as a director's working today, and you're talking about like auteurism and things like that, is I think he is probably the one working today that is the easiestly, easiestly, what a terrible English that is, um, that is most visibly an auteur because both sort of audiologically with his dialogue and visually, it's undescribable of like, what his style is because it's yeah he is he has a voice and he has a visual style and whereas yes the Coens have had that in the past and still do but they do sort of flip it in and out same with Paul Thomas Anderson he might have a visual way of telling stories but it's not nothing so brash and so in your face as Wes Anderson it's like there is, I mean, I've got a fair few big books on Wes Anderson, and like, there's even like a fairly popular um, Instagram which I would say anybody should follow called "Accidentally Wes Anderson," and it's all of like buildings that are in real life which would work in a Wes Anderson movie. And I think they released a book like last year. It's wonderful. But yeah, French 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 Dispatch is very much. Uh, uh, recommend from me. Um, I think I like Budapest a bit more, but I, but I, th- I think that's because of I think the strength of Ray Fiennes in that role and just how much of a surprise that performance was at the time. Yeah, I think I'm going to give the, uh, the old Booty Poo an, uh, another go in in the next few days. Um, I'm re- I, no, yeah, I, I don't know. I. George, I think we probably need to pull the trigger on that mooted just talking through the Wes Anderson yeah. film side project that we we, we were going to do. Um, I kind of just want to fucking get into Bears. them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Luxuriate. Luxuriate, yeah. I, yeah, I think, would be the, the correct parlance to use for this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll discuss, but um, yeah, I think I want to do that. Um and also, he's like he's shooting one in like Spain at the moment, which will probably be out next year. So, uh, hopefully, maybe we could time something up. Anyway, um, uh, emphatically, definitely not shit from myself, uh, George. I assume you're the same. Uh, absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, great stuff. Um, do we have an audience poll on this, Mark? I, I forgot to do it because selfishly, I didn't watch it, so I just didn't do it. <laughs> Okay, because uh, no, uh, apparently I'm a prick. <laughs> okay, um, <laughs> no, of course not. Uh, is Bex with us? She still isn't. I can, I'm, I'm going through that Everly creepy thing, and I'm going to uh, have a look at find my iPhone and find out how close she is. Okie dokie, no worries. That's a good plan. Um, She's four miles away. Okay, that sounds like she might still be a little bit then. Um, the four mile bit is 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 like basically all seventy mile an hour, so she'll be about five minutes. Okay, all right, cool. Um, well, I tell you what, then, why don't we do a little bit of Jord? What have you been watching recently? Oh, well, to be honest, not a huge amount. Um, 
I will talk about... I'm just creating my letterbox up so I can actually see. I watched... There is a podcast. Um, it's not going anymore, but it's one of the best comedy podcasts that there has been in the last sort of decade called The Parapod. Um, and this is two British comedians, Ian Boardsworth and Barry Dodds, who you have one who is a sceptic on all things supernatural... Um, or spooky, and the other one who is very much takes it all in, is very gullible, believes everything that you would tell him. And this is a podcast I did a, a few years ago, but they took a, took a break because they made a documentary um, where is where they travelled the country going to spooky places. Now, I was really waiting for this because, I mean, this, they were touring it around the country and they weren't sure, but it turned up on iTunes for like seven ninety nine, and then quickly went down to two ninety nine to buy it, so it couldn't have been doing very well. But I was a bit disappointed, to be honest. I mean, as a fan of the podcast, the dynamic between the two is excellent. It, they're very funny. You've got them. They're just the arguments between the two. However... It's one of those things where they go to spooky places, sit in them, and then, well, nothing happens because ghosts don't exist. And it's just one person trying to a uh, practical joke the other because they need to film something because just two comics sat in a room isn't very visually uh, interesting. So... It, it's a bit, it suffers from its own structure and its own um, premise, really, which is a shame. The other thing that I've watched, um, and I'd watched this many, many, many years ago, and I remember quite liking it, and it was just on the film's under 90 minutes part on Netflix, and I was like, Do you know what, I'll give this another go, and it was Vantage Point, the... Um, Dennis Quaid is it Dennis Quaid? Dennis Quaid, Sigourney Weaver. You've got Forrest Whitaker, um, Matthew Fox. And God, this film is bad. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, like I, I remember thinking, oh, this, this, this is doing something really interesting with the structure and going back and doing this, but no, it's an absolute mess. Um, and. Not even worth the 80-whatever-some-of-the-minutes-it-is-before credits. It's hilariously bad. The way it sort of crashes to where all these storylines do finally commence and get together, it's laughable at times. Really, really bad. Um, so... That's really it for me. The only other thing that I mean, you've talked about, it, Venom, Let There Be Carnage... I enjoyed it. It's about probably about as much as I enjoyed the first. I love the fact that it's a relationship movie or this dysfunctional relationship movie, and the fact that yet yeah, it is a homoerotic gay story. Love that about it. Um, and I watched actually saying that I watched Philadelphia for the first time in probably about a decade, and that film slaps. Um, I f- a good movie. I, f- I forgot just how good that movie is, and not only because of um, Tom Hanks' performance, but Denzel Washington in that movie is just superb. But it has that 
great feeling of and actually is it Mary Steerbergen as well who plays yeah, the other lawyer where it's like you know she's hating what she's doing but she's a good lawyer so yeah. she's she has to do it because that's her job but yeah um, Philadelphia really does go I mean it just holds up incredibly well for a film that was released what 20 years, years tw- was 20 yeah 30 years 1990 was it 1991 so 30 years ago, Christ. Yeah, yeah. 90, 90, was it 91, 92, I think it was, wasn't it? Mm, absolutely correct. I mean, the fact that Something he, like I that. think he followed, actually, it, was, it might have been 92, 93, because I think he followed Silence of the Lambs up with this, and it was 91 was Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, so, 90, yeah. 93 was, was Philadelphia. Yeah, um, definitely. If, if you haven't seen Philadelphia in a while, go out and watch it. That's it for me, really. I mean, I watched Ant-Man, but Ant-Man's Ant-Man. It's fine. Ant-Man is Ant-Man. He is. Have you ever wondered what so-called family films will scar your kids forever? Putting four and five-year-olds in front of this movie, it's like, if they didn't know what death was before this, they're going to know it after it. They're going to know it after it, and they're going to be freaking terrified. And they're going to be questioning you. Yeah. Or do you have the slight suspicion that your loved one has a cold, dead heart? Yeah, the Dark Knight has got like all the orphans and like, oh no, we're gonna die. They did not build up those orphans at all. In my head, it's like, kill them. Then look no further, the His Film Her Movie podcast is the show for you. It's the movie podcast that celebrates the contrasting cinematic tastes of its hosts. So join Jordan and Lauren every week on their unique journey through the land of the silver screen. So if you're looking for a few laughs, some fun film-related chat, then get involved. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast you're listening to, pretty good, isn't it? Only problem is, it's about halfway through. Pretty soon, it'll be over. And then what are you going to do? Well, if you're a fan of this show, why not head over to wearepodsyndicate.com and subscribe to our brand new feed, Pod Syndicate The Bonus Shows. Every week, your hosts from Beyond the Neon, Chinstroker vs. Punter, Entertainment Landfill, Film Bastards, His Film, Her Movie, and What's On Tap will be dropping bonus shows right onto that feed. These shows might be collaborations and crossovers, or they might be archive episodes, interviews, one-offs, and other treats from across the Pod Syndicate network. So, prepare yourself for the inevitable disappointment of this Pod Syndicate show ending by heading to wearepodsyndicate.com and clicking on The Bonus Shows. We now return you to your regularly scheduled Pod Syndicate podcast.
Should we do Peach Dragon? Because I know okay. Lex hasn't actually watched Peach Dragon yet because she forgot. There you go, patrons. <laughs> she literally turned around to me last night and went. <laughs> and, and just out of the blue, no context, just went, oh, Peach Dragon! <laughs> I was like, yeah. Should, well, You watched that on your own? I was like, yes, I did. Went, I've watched it. <laughs> well, we take out a Bex, we insert a McGrath because <laughs> I know George watched it. I have, and it's my so, first time wow, watch. Nice. Fucking A. Alright, so this is the Patron's Choice. This is Peach Dragon, directed by David Lowry, starring uh, Oaks Fegley, one of the one of the great names. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard, Carl Urban, Wes Bentley, Robert Redford, and uh, others. And uh, yeah, this is the story of Pete, played when he's a little bit older by Oaks Fegley, um, a kid who... Uh, is in a car crash and um, is basically taken in by a dragon. Um, he's then found by uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's uh, kind of like woods ranger. And uh, they have to try and protect Pete against um, her kind of prospective brother-in-law played by Carl Urban. Um, Mark, I'm going to start with you. So first time with Pete's dragon, wasn't it? No, I'd seen Pete's dragon before. Oh, okay. All right, George. I'm going to start with George instead then. So, George. <laughs> David Lowry's Pete's Dragon. Yep. Opening question. Did you wonder why Robert Redford was talking to a bunch of random kids at the start, <laughs> or was it just me? Yeah, it's not really explained, is it? It's not like he's part of a museum or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a bit strange. He might just be. Mm. Uh, well, I'm not, not going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm not going to say that. Because um, I know Robert Redford likes to sue people. Um, but no, I mean, Peace Dragon, it's one of those I've been meaning to watch for a long time, just because I am a fan of David Lowry, and when it came out in the cinemas, I wasn't really enamoured with, I was like, oh, another retell well not another, but just a retelling of an animated film that I'd seen when I was a child and I didn't really care for but this is an absolutely lovely little movie from the beginning of just mm. Pete and the dragon running aimlessly and joyfully through the woods, having fun, it, it becomes quite evident that it's a pure kids' movie, but it doesn't pander to children, and it has this wondrous, joyful backbone running through it where you can't help but feel and really engage with the relationship between Pete and the dragon and I would love to have seen this one and see the difference between one when I didn't have a pet to two when I did have a pet because some of the scenes within this movie that I think probably wouldn't have hit as home as much as it would have, but now that I can actually relate that to the fact that if anything happened to my pet, I would be distraught. Um, it, it, it really does strike that emotional 
core. Um, there, there are parts of it which, I mean, also, I mean the, the film looks great. Cal Urban's evil baddie, I, I don't really, he's literally there to be a baddie. I don't understand any of his motivations to do anything, but I kind of forgive that just because the fact of the film is just this warm, lovable piece of cinema that I really can't criticise that much because it's just a really well-made well directed kids movie and I would say even though yes it is a kids movie anybody it's it's, it's just pure family entertainment yeah I it's I, I, I like the way that Carl Urban's character is basically well I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do with it but I know it's it's basically step one get dragon, step two question mark, step three dollar signs. Exactly. I mean, that's that, like, that, that's... It's laughably like cartoonish of like it's something different. Money. Let's. It's sort of King Kong. But but it works yeah. like that. That it, it is just like yeah, that person probably would do that and think that. So okay, fair enough. You know. Um, yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I, I kind of picked this around the time that uh, we we were talking about um, the, the the Green Knight, and uh, for various reasons, we've been a little bit delayed in in talking about this. But um, do you see connective tissue between Pete's Dragon and the Green Knight? Because apart from like CG and whatnot, it feels remarkable to me that. Essentially, he's made the move from Pete's Dragon to the Green Knight in the space of like one film in between, and then that film was a ghost story. But it, wasn't, wasn't, obviously, wasn't the there's the CG there, but oh fuck, the old man and the gun. Sorry, you are right. The old man and the gun was there, um, but yeah, like it, it feels to me very. Wow, we you go all over the place, bud. You know, and it, it, I, I don't know. Did you did you feel that there was there there was a connection there between the two? I think he's got a like you say. I think he he's not afraid to tackle different types of um, of, of stories, but he's got a very um, there's a way about the way his films move um, that that I think is certainly there. The the visual pacing, um, it, I would say, it always feels quite familiar. Nothing's, nothing ever feels that rushed within a, a, a Lowry um, film. He, he seems to want to. He's he's a very visual um, filmmaker, but also as well, he's not a, he's not without the ability to tell a story. But there's certainly a just a. a a certain visual pacing that that he has within it where it's not if he's showing you a shot of something like um, within Pete's Dragon where he's showing you the the forest and bits like that it's for a reason the cameras it's not a lot of stills it's there's always a movement within things um, and it's always not at the same pace he tends to move things a little bit quicker sometimes and then it, 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 he'll, he'll slow things down and I think that there's certainly that it's I, I, I 
think there will probably be more connective tissue uh, between them when you add in the fact that he's doing uh, Peter Pan next, I think, isn't he? Yeah, he's doing a, a, a Peter and Wendy and Jude Law's playing Hook. Yeah, and, and, and that, I think, will, will, will kind of bridge a gap between Pete's Dragon and, um, and the Green Knight, certainly. Um, but yeah, I, I, I definitely can see that they are from the same filmmaker. Uh, it's just he's a very he's a very atmospheric filmmaker, but mm. he's able to he's able to flip his atmospheres um, to what essentially is. I think George said it. This is a this is a kids film. That can be watched by the whole family, but it, it, it ostensibly is a very much it, it, it's aimed at younger kids, um, which I, I really like about it. But he still has that that atmosphere and that warmth uh, within it that uh, that you can find in, in a lot of his other films. I mean, The Old Man and the Gun is 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 quite a a sweet and warm film for for for, it, for the story that he's trying to tell. Uh, that yeah. is there, and then when you add in something like the, even you know a, a ghost story, which is on its surface should be a very cold movie um, and a very a very somber movie, does seem to have a, a warmth within it that that is certainly there that that, that I found from it anyway that that is is there a, a kind of a hope within hopelessness um, that's there, and I, I think Pete Dragon is. It's an oddity in the fact that it's weird that it simply exists. To be honest, um, I think it had to. This exists. I don't think this would exist if it was. It wouldn't have happened had um, Lion King or Jungle Book come first. If that makes sense. Yeah, uh, it was almost a proving ground for those movies. Um, and the fact that it it, it, it it didn't do very well, but critically it was quite it was quite well received, and they almost like went right. Well, we've got this technology now. We we know we know what not to do. Almost um, we know what to do next, but we certainly haven't embarrassed ourselves with Peace Dragon. It, it will it will certainly have a following, and it, it it did as well critically. It just maybe didn't do as well commercially. It's it's one of those things where. And I know, yes, it is a Disney movie, but I think what really, I mean, sings to me is it seems to have these, like, indie sensibilities. Like, it feels kind of like an independent movie. It's not like a big old shiny blockbuster, like, as you said, like like a Lion King. It... I don't know if it's just the fact that he has this sort of lyricism with the way he shoots stuff or they put nice acoustic soft rock over the, over some of the sequences, but it, it, you can tell that somebody who normally works within the realm of low budgets has made this. Yeah, absolutely. He, he, he's, yeah. He's, he's playing yeah. with a lot of toys, but not showing off with them. That's it because I mean you got to think it's like regarding like special effects. The only real major special effect is the dragon. Everything else is very <sighs> northwestern America. It, it, it's lumberjacks and small towns. It's 
it's that fish out of water feeling of something so fantastical it, it, in a in a world that we know. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, I mean, the, the film costs like one hundred and thirty-five million dollars. I think the listed budget is, and I think, yeah, I, I think that's because was it unlike I've got, I've got the listed budget here at sixty-five million uh, as a production budget. Oh, hang on, where's that on? That is on Wikipedia. What did Box Office Mojo say the other day? Hang on, I just want to make sure. Or was that the worldwide take? Worldwide take was uh, 143 million. Yeah, maybe I'm. Hang on. Pete's Dragon. Because if it was 135 million, then I'll be shouting, What the hell? What the hell have you done with 135 million dollars? He's pocketed 17. I, I'm, I'm talking my, out my ass. I was talking about the worldwide box office, the budget, sixty-five million. Yeah, ever so sorry, but no. I mean, the, the, the thing is, it's if this film was done after Jungle Book and Lion King, if it was even made, as Mark said, it would be being shot on green screens and mm. stuff like that. But one of the things I really like about it is that real-world location yeah. stuff. And yeah, all right, it's basically just like well, like North West America, but having like CG a CG a large CG element in amongst yeah. that must have taken an awful lot of work and now I mean like when um David Lowry does um his new Peter Pan you bet your fucking bottom dollar he's not gonna be using real world locations like <laughs> like he did with Pete's Dragon. Yeah, yeah and it, it's um yeah I, I don't know I it I, I watched this with, with Donna and Lots, and we all just had a really, really nice Sunday night. And that that's what this film feels like. It feels like a nice Sunday night film. Yeah. Um, and it, it just, it's got a fuckload of heart. Um, it, 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 I, I like the way that it's not really about the dragon. It is Pete, but dra- the dragon is kind of like the enab- an enabler for that story. And I mean, by by the end, I mean, Lots was like real fucking sad yeah. when uh when when they kind of split up. But then it's like I I, I remembered what happened at, at the at the, at the end from when I saw it in the cinema. Um, because I mean, like to be fair, she was two when this this came out. She would not have been able to fucking take this. Um, but the 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 right at the end of the film, she was so fucking happy. It's like he found he found the other dragons, you know, and it, it, it's so lovely. I it, it, this is the thing. I mean, like David Lowry, like I say, he, he feels quite schizophrenic in his choices as a as a filmmaker. But um, he's been on the, the the Blank Check podcast a couple of times, and he's just this guy who lived in Texas, and he had a job as a projectionist, and he just fucking loved film from like an uh, an early age, and like I think he kind of Owen Wilson was like a local hero or or something, you know, and it, it just he seems to love films and will just turn his hand to anything, uh, you know, and I mean like the Green Knight. I want to give the Green Knight another go because I was quite tired when I was watching it. But you know, at least he's reaching for something, and he's reaching for something with Pete's Dragon as well. 
he's reaching for something with the old man and the gun. And he's, uh, I mean, to be fair, he's reaching for a, part, a, a bygone time, yeah, you know. Absolutely. I mean, it, 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 it's similar with um, his debut at Nobody Saints. Um, it, 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 that film doesn't quite hit. It doesn't quite land as it wants to. Yeah. But, it, yeah. but it's certainly an interesting film. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um Cool. That feels like Pete's Dragon. Um, Honestly, I was really uh, surprised my- by just how good it was. It's a, it, it, the emotional core of that movie even got me tearing up at, at certain elements. And yeah, it's. I want to see where. If, is that kid been in anything more? Because I thought he was tremendous too. The Fegs. What else has he been in? Yeah, he, he is actually really good in it, isn't he? Uh, um. It- he was young Ansel Elgort in The Goldfinch. Yeah, there's a cursed film. He was in uh, The War with Grandpa. He was That's right. He's the he's, he's the in lad in The War with Grandpa. Yeah, good film. And he's done not a lot since. Right. Um. Cool. Definitely not shit. Yeah. Definitely not shit. Uh, yes, yeah, I'm definitely not shit. Great stuff. Right. Bex is here. Hi, guys. Hello. <laughs> hey, Bex. That, that was very um, interesting listening about a film that I haven't had a chance to watch. Well, we'll all get... Does, does this mean that I don't have to watch a Rooksuka Doji? No, it means you have to watch it more. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. I, I did watch it. Uh, Maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, to be honest, <laughs> thanks, no, but, uh, I think you should have. not watching the movie and watching a, just a different version of the movie. Uh, I, I think you should have because, like, like the old Pete Shaggin came up as, like, watch this next after, on Disney after I watched it. And I didn't really, that film's two hours, seven minutes long. <laughs> That's exactly what I said because it came up for me as well. Like, just uh, no. You, I, I would expect no. that to be, like, 74 minutes. Yeah. I, I, I just bet you could have told it twice in that amount of time. It's a fucking five star banger though. Got loads of songs. Fucking <laughs> okay. hell. I will watch Dearie it. For you. Me. I'll watch it for next week. I just I just run out of time. Deary me. Right. Okay. Um, Bex. Yes. So we can talk Titan or Dune. We're not going to talk the haunting because Jord hasn't seen it. So I'm thinking we can probably uh, uh, let let Jord leave if he wants to uh, when when we review that. So uh, Titan or Dune, what should we cover? Ooh. Ooh. I don't, I don't, I don't, I wasn't ready for this responsibility. Uh, Titan. Right. Um. Fuck. I'm going to have to get the cast up. Hang on. I wasn't expecting you to say that. My psychological profiling didn't work. Um, okay, so... No, you're all right. Titan, Titan, Titan E is uh, directed by Julia DeCorno and stars Agatha Ruslu, Vincent Lindon and Garance Marillier. We have specifically had a request. Levels of butchering there. I enjoyed that. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, We have specifically had a request from long-term listener Craig Dawson 
that we do- try not to spoil the film because it's not very it's not available wi- widely in the UK yet okay so craig has been a listener for a long long time and on this occasion i think we should allow it I but yes okay fine um so that no spoilers sorry Or at least if there are going to be... If you are... Okay, a compromise. Craig, I hope you're okay with this. If you're going to spoil, could you just trail trail it before you do? Right. Yes, we will attempt to not. But if we if one of us does, we'll, we'll mention it first. Yeah, but okay. if we're going to attempt to not and we're going to accidentally do it, then we won't be able to trailer it first. We just need to have self-control, Mark. I have loads of self-control. I, it, it, if I if I have to do some editing, I'll do some editing. Okay. I'll try. I'll try. Right. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read the first paragraph of the Wikipedia plot summary <laughs> because I think this will get a sense of you can't explain the plot of this film that much unless you really are gonna go spoilery. So let's see how this goes. I, 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 oh fuck! I'm gonna read both of them. Okay. Right? No, actually, Becky's Becky's gonna read the IMDb one. I'll read the Wikipedia one. A little girl named Alexia is seen annoying her father during a drive. As she removes her seatbelt, her father turns around to scold her, causing a car crash. Alexia suffers a terrible skull injury and has a titanium plate fitted into her head. When she gets out of the hospital, she shuns her parents and embraces their car passionately. <laughs> Okay. Right, I'm... what's the IMDb one? Following a series of unexplained crimes, a father is reunited with the son who has been missing for 10 years to tame a metal highly resistant to heat and corrosion with high tensile strength alloys. <laughs> what the fuck, IMDb? I mean, I, the, the thing is, right, that and the Wikipedia one basically being completely different <laughs> feel really apropos for what this fucking film is. Right. I'm going to start it with Bex. Bex, how much did you want to have sex with Mark after this film finished? (laughs) Not at all, but the car was looking pretty tight. (laughs) (laughs) And what did you think of the film? (laughs) I, I, I fucking loved it, to be fair. I thought it was great. I, I, I kind of immediately want to watch it again. Uh, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fucking bonkers, but I, I really, really enjoyed it. But then Raw was so, the same. Raw was fucking mad, but it was great. So, I mean, did, 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 and I think that's what I was trying to say last week. Just... It is fucking insane just how purely entertaining this film is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, George, I mean, I, 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 do you know what? I can't even think of a fucking question with this. What, what do you think it's a say? 
Yeah, I mean, I've given five stars to two films this year. One was Annette, and the second one was t- Titan, t- Titan, or whatever you want to call it. Um, you call it Titanium in French. <laughs> yeah. I adored this movie. Um, and as you said, yes, it's ridiculously entertaining, but what I actually think it does incredibly, incredibly well is... It plays with empathy in a way that is quite interesting just because, and I don't want to, this is when I'm trying to get not into spoilers, it's what happens in the second half of the film creates a relationship between when you're watching between characters that you completely forget what's happened before it and you're sort of like, oh, I hope this happens, I hope this happens, but no, wait, this person was somebody in a different life. Um, And I just love that character arc. Um, Again, I don't know what the film is seeing. It's partially nonsensical at times. It might be be saying something about past trauma and, and things like that, but yeah, I found it, incredibly watchable i couldn't keep my eyes off it and um, there's a, a sequence within a disco with future islands playing which is just glorious and the way that scene actually finishes and you realize what's happening is kind of shocking but yeah it's it's one of those things where you can actually say there's not a film out there like Titan. There's just not. Um, it is a full-on true original, and I really, really enjoy that for it. Um, and yet the actual arc of that lead character is something to experience because I tell you what, I actually really cared for her at the end. And I yeah, did not like expect how she, starts, how she starts out with like her relationships with other people. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, I think I, I think I think my um, first line of my letterbox review was, um, "Oh, let me let me scale it up two seconds." Um, and then you find your letterbox review. Boom. Yeah, <laughs> I just said um, serial killer and the Lonely Hearts Club crazy band. Uh, and what sentence could not want you to watch a film more? Really, <laughs> thing is, it's it's a complete what the fuck of a movie, and there is there is some. It's not spoilery to say that there is some fucking body horror in there, but it doesn't doesn't feel gratuitously body horror-y to me. No. No, I mean, I'll um, I'll 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 add to the conversation there in saying that I was fully prepared for thanks. I hate it, um, and I I didn't really get that. There's a couple of moments. Don't get me wrong, but there it, it never quite. You know, there 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 were reports that like at the LFF press screening, somebody fainted. And I, I, I'll, I'll be, and, and you know, I've heard a couple of other like uh, incidents like that, and I'm a little bit 
is this the first kind of body horror-y kind of thing you've seen? And you know, I, I say that as someone who expressly hates that particular subgenre of of horror and cinema in general. But obviously, I, I don't know. Maybe I've just seen enough that the the, the stuff in this had inured me to it somewhat. But it it's not that bad. And especially, like, you know, once you get the idea of what is actually going on, the the, the sequences later are just more, it, like, more of that, really. But also, the film isn't, like, nihilistic, and it's not wallowing in it, and it's not going, look how cool this is. It's quite matter-of-fact in, in its depictions of that stuff. But then also... It is very, 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 very funny mm. at points. You know, there, there is a sequence of uh, prolonged violence in this film, which oh, is fucking brilliant. hilarious. One of my sequences, probably of the... Uh, it's Yeah, the, hell yeah. The, the look on her face, it's perfectly slapstick. And it's just, yeah... Unbelievable, unbelievable. But I think the only only part I would say is maybe shocking is, I mean, anything to do with itching always sort of got me. Um, But there's a sequence in a bathroom, which, yeah, that was like, I did actually say, oh, God. Was Um, that the the one just after she'd seen the poster? Yes. Yeah, fucking hell, we both cringed at that, didn't we? Hmm. Yeah. Cause they, I think I think because you knew what was coming. Yeah, absolutely. And you knew what it was going to sound like. Like I didn't watch that, but I heard it. <laughs> um, I I just want to throw it to Mark for a second. Um, so you'd seen Raw, hadn't you? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Going to so I haven't seen Raw, and I have no intention of watching Raw. Uh, despite liking Titan. Um, with this film, is Julia DeCorno, in your opinion, a genuine artist or someone who has basically submitted a film to Cannes, it's got into competition, it's won the Palm Door, and she's been like, Fucking hell, I already made this for a laugh. What are your thoughts there? Hang on a second, that's fucking weird. What? So, um, Garance Merlier and her sister in Raw are mm. called Justine, which is Garance Merlier's character name in this, and Alexia. Mm. Which is a bit weird. Um, I, I think... Yes, but I I think she is uh, she definitely has uh, a vision, but I think that she could end up being one of those filmmakers um, who, in the next ten years, will make another six films and will sit around and go, I can't believe that the one of my movies that won the Palm d'Or was was today. Um. I don't think that there is a possibility that she ever thought that it was that that was going 
to win. It is going to be one of the oddities of of, of Palm Dahl winners, uh, uh, you know, in, in recent years for sure. It, it's it's I am. I think it's a weird one to have won. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that, I mean, this is the thing. I, I, I know George gave it five stars, and absolutely fair play. I, I, I don't, I don't think I'm there. It sounds like Bex is there. I, I the thing is, I, I'm going to say two movies that I think it, 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 it reminded me of and gave me vibes of, and they're very, very, very different movies. <laughs> um, and they are Spring Breakers Fuck. and Martin. <laughs> okay, and, yeah. And that is the kind of... It, it's... I don't know why, but that... It, it reminded me of both of those movies for some reason. <laughs> It is an odd combo, but it's an odd. It's there is a little bit, I think, of um, of whiplash between the the two halves of the movie. Oh, hundred percent, yeah. You know, I, I I think that's very intentional mm. that they are that they are that, but they do also still feel part of the same movie. But I think there's a there's a them- thematic reasoning for be- behind why they are so different. Um, there's a thematic mirroring mm. of what's of, of of what is happening to a character mm. for that. Um, I think it will go for those who've seen it, it, it. It will come as no surprise to say that I much more enjoyed the first half of the movie <laughs> than I did the second half of the movie. Because <laughs> you're a horny dog. Um, not just I, the I enjoyed the mania of it. Yes, that the yeah. the, the 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 house scene. Um, of, of, of extended violence there was glorious. I think that Jod said slapstick. It, it, she she doesn't take you all the way the way that Rosamund Pike would though. To be fair, does she? <laughs> no, it, 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 it's not. There's there's it, it, it's very it, Rosamund Pike is is just an is 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 a is a, just a fucking great relationship. This is a quickie behind the club kind of fucking vibe. Hmm. What is it? It is, isn't it? This is, this is, I wonder if the girls' toilets are free. Oh, yes, they are. Let's go. Um, it's one of those things, though, because there is a hell of a lot of nudity in this film, but it's very unsexy. <laughs> yes, there is. It's like it gives you the sexiness at the, like the opening bit and goes, look at this fucking, there's a, there's a. Oh, the child. What? The, oh, the opening, <laughs> what is it? It gives you the sexiness of, of of the character and goes, there you go. And then basically goes, oh, you like that, dear? Yeah. It's, you're not going to. You're not yeah. going to. And it, it brings that back at the end in a brilliant way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it's funny, it's bonkers, it's mad. It's not um, Prisoners of Ghostland mad. Where it's looking at you, going, "Look how weird I am! Look how weird I am!" You and then you're watching, yeah. and, and you're watching it, going, "No, it's not weird. It, it that's your version of weird is dyeing your hair green and going, look how kooky I am! I'm kooky, aren't I? Look at my green hair!'" Oh, fuck off. Um, and it, it's that. It, it, it's I, I really enjoyed it. 
it's not quite five stars for me because I, I didn't get on with the second half as much as I got on with the first half. But I will agree, it is very, very watchable. Again, I mean, because this is the thing, isn't it? It's like one of those ones where it's like, yeah, seeing it get the palm door and getting all the, uh, the, the all the five star raves and whatnot. It, it's and I, I, George, again, I appreciate you gave it five stars. I'm a bit like, I'm, I'm not there, but that's absolutely fine. You do you. It, France having it be their fucking entry for the best international <laughs> feature at the Oscars next year. Sure. Good luck. Um, that's great. You know, like I, 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 I'm just that, that, that's, that's it. It's, I don't, it's almost like I don't want all that adulation getting to the film's head because I don't necessarily think it's, like it winning the Palm Door is fucking mental. Like it's just mental and I love that. And I, I, I hope that the Corno doesn't then follow it up with something which is just super self-serious and up its own ass. Uh, you know, like and it, it, from from Raw and and entertain. I, I, I don't think she will. Cool. I and uh, great. I mean that that great. That that that's fine. It is really, really, really fun. It is fucking bonkers that it's done quite as well as it has, but I love to see it. Like, that that's detained, really, for me. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's its definitely not shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Definitely not shit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, our audience poll, 60% definitely not shit and 40% shit. I can see that. Rising, then. <laughs> yeah, but I, can, sure. I, I, I think that is pretty... That, 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 that's bang on your money. Yeah, I could see why you wouldn't get on with oh, it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sun lives. Now our traitors will live. My lord, you gave your word to the witch. And she sees too much. I said I would not harm them, and I shall not. But Arrakis is Arrakis. And the desert takes the weak. My desert. My Arrakis. I do. Right. The sleeper has awakened, I think. Think he's awakened in part one. But we'll see if he awakens in part two. I don't think they... Do they say the sleeper is awakened in part one? Don't think so. No. They'll say it at some point, and I can't wait for them to say it. So, Dune... Part one is directed by Denis Villeneuve. It stars Timothée Chalamet. It stars uh, Zendaya. Well, it kind of no, it barely stars Zendaya. Um, Rebecca Ferguson, she's in it a lot. So is Oscar Isaac. So is Josh Brolin. As is um, fucking Jesus Christ. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård, Dave Bautista, uh, Stephen McKinley Henderson uh, with his fantastic parasol. Um, uh, lots of other people. Uh, Jason Mimosa is in there. Um, so, Dune. Oh, God, where do you start? Um, 
Right, Paul Atreides, played by Timothy Chalamet, is the chosen one. Um, he is maybe going to unite the worlds, but he's probably going to do it through war because he has to, and that's bad. Um, the House Atreides is told by the Unseen Emperor to go to Arrakis and uh, rule it. House Harkonnen is fucked off. But they're going to come back because, do you know what? The Emperor doesn't really like House Atreides and the Harkonnens are going to destroy them. But Paul Atreides is the chosen one. And so he will have dreams about uh, blue-eyed Zendaya and maybe fucking her at some point. But not because it's a 12A. Um, And there's space bagpipes. There is space bagpipes. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to say what I thought first, because I don't feel like I'm going to add too much to this discussion overall, I think. So I'm going to say I liked Dune. I didn't love Dune. On IMAX, it is frankly threatening at times. And I thought that was really impressive. The the sound in Dune, in Dune on IMAX, I w- was a little bit scared at points. <laughs> um, it looks incredible. I'm not entirely sure that it justifies its running time, even though it's only telling half a story. And I think the Chosen One narrative is not that well told. But at the same time, I don't want to be a buzzkill, which is why I'm probably not going to talk all that much. So, I'm going to throw it to Jordan first off. <sighs> Jord, um, look, just be honest. You want to get sucked off by a sandworm. We get it. To be honest, if you, I appreciate that was more a statement, not a question. But I want you to respond. <laughs> to be honest, I, 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 I'm quite. I, feel, I don't know if it's just a compliment that you think I'm big enough to be sucked off by a sandworm. To be honest, because they're rather large. Um, it's huge, George. <laughs> it, 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 just like the sound in June IMAX, intimidating. <laughs> So I've actually seen June twice now. Um, I saw it on IMAX on Friday. We, we travelled through to Newcastle to watch it. And I watched it again over two nights and finished it last night. And it's one of those where... <sighs> filmically, as in a cinematic experience, I actually don't know if I can fault it. The richness of the world that... Denis Villeneuve paints is staggering at, at times. I mean, truly staggering. Um, regarding the story, I like the story. I, I mean, I knew the story, but it's being told in a way where, and again, I don't want to repeat what the people say because I know Mike um, over at Chinstrucker versus Punter uh, talked about this on the last podcast, but everything that people are criticising this movie for I'm just like well 
that's June. It's if people went in with the ideas that it was going to be a Star Wars movie or it was going to be a, a same vibe as a Marvel movie just because of what was sold them in the trailer, then it's a shame for them, but that's all the better for me because I do find it an interesting story. I, I mean, to be honest, the fact that, I mean, spoilers all the time, but this goes very Godfather at the end and sort of just resets, and I quite like that. I like the fact that we get told this part one of a story and we see crescendo and even though the crescendo isn't huge at the end i find emotionally it is even though maybe not i mean if timothy chalamet like just closed the door on you as the film ended then the credits went i i probably would have been more comfortable with it just i don't zendaya she's like this is just the beginning and then it clo- you close the door, and then it's just a shot of the audience as the door closes, and then it cuts the credits. Yeah. I think I would have been more comfortable with that, George. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I loved it. As I said, regarding Star, I don't know if I can give it five stars just because it's not a full story. We haven't seen the full arc, and I, again, I don't know if that's just me being persnickety because the only other thing I can really relate it to is something like Lord of the Rings, but for me, like, the Fellowship of the Ring feels very much like an own contained... I don't know, it, 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 that does have a bit of a a beginning, middle and end to whatever it's telling us in that story, where this is very much... Do you know what? He's a pair of scissors, snip here, and we're going to hopefully, well, we are now going to get the second part, but yet yeah, the design of this movie, the fact that Villeneuve does something really good in regarding his shooting of landscape and his shooting of action where he's not scared of just staying wide and not moving. Like, he'll lock a camera off and just say, just soak this stuff in. Um, and production value-wise, special effects-wise, I just cannot fault it. it. People might call it slow and dull, but I mean, again, I, I, I kind of call it rich and textured. Um, you know, that might just be the um, language farts that I'm letting out. But no, I actually <laughs> really did enjoy it. Um, Mark, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head over to yourself next. Yep. So, spice is both used as an hallucinogen and as uh, the fuel for intergalactic travel. So, can I ask, once you got home from seeing this, how much of your petrol tank did you drink? It's not used as a fuel. Yes, it is. It's not. It's used... The pilots take it to allow them to navigate interstellar travel. So you let me drink all of that petrol, and you knew that? (laughs) (laughs) Hang on, is that actually what it is? Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, I will defer. Yeah, yeah. The pilots... Hang on, so it's an hallucinogen, well, it's but it also lets people drive better. It's because it's a hallucinogen, it like opens their minds to different pathways whilst piloting. Can I point something out? What? Go on. Right, I did not get that from the film at all. You weren't listening then. I was listening. 
I just thought the same thing as Ian. That they just like bang it in play. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's been, yeah, it's a the fuel source, but also a hallucinogen. Yeah. Hang on. No, no, no. George, uh, can we can we get like a referee's decision on this? See, for, I was going to argue the fact that, yes, it's a hallucinogen, but not as much as you'll probably think. Like, cause I think the fact is Paul is very perceptible to, to it. it. And therefore, we, that, that's why it becomes really a bit more... tripping balls. No, but the, the film book says... That it's an hallucinogen, yeah, and it's also required for in- intergalactic travel. So I don't know if it's fuel or what Becky's saying, but I know it's, it's, it's used within. I don't know if it, they use refined spice nah, for it. But hey, Siri, <laughs> is in June right? Is the spice Sorry. used for inter? No, you shut up. You <laughs> shut your fucking mouth. Hey, Siri, in June is the spice an hallucinogen, which is also petrol? I don't know how to answer. Thinking. Right. Thinking. Wikipedia. No Melange is also necessary. It just said no problem. Wikipedia says um, Melange is also necessary for space navigation, which requires a kind of multi-dimensional awareness and foresight that only the drug provides. Okay, so this is basically saying, right? Have a load of map mushrooms. And then navigate the M25 and you'll do a lot better. Well, right. Have they given... I don't think the M25 is multidimensional, though. No, but... It may as well be. So what we're saying is, Oi, Bezos, next time you go up, right, just give Shatter a load of fucking shrooms and see if you find a fucking different planet. Yeah. And if you don't, you don't come back and nobody gives a shit. Right. Okay, so... Yeah, people give a shit about Shatner. Right, fair enough. Bex, that, sorry, I know I know I was talking to Mark, but Bex, right? Was did you actually get that from the film or did you know that beforehand? I I got well, I got that from the film, but I have read part of the book. I've never made it all the way through the book because it is a tome or tomb or whatever they call it of a book. It is fucking dense. But so, yeah, I did get it from the film. Well. There, there was dialogue in the film. Okay, fine. It's also, right. it's also as dry as the sands of Arrakis, isn't it? The book. <laughs> <I found>. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. Um, so, Mark, what, 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 what? Yeah, Dune. I, I feel spent, guys. I'll be <laughs> honest. Um, like we're not nearly done, but uh, Dune, Mark. Um, I mean. Visually, it's, and I think like George said, filmmaking, it's, it, it's, it's spectacular. Um, it, it looks magnificent. I think all of the, all of the performances are, are very good. It's dealing with, uh, again, I, I have read Dune, but a long, long time ago. All the way through? All the way through, yes. Um, it, it, it's it's incredibly, um, like you say, dense and um, it, um, it, it it seems to be doing what it needs to with the story. It, it's it, it's managing to 
drop bits of exposition out there whilst also making it seem like the exposition is within the story. There's exposition dumps, there is. But they make sense within the story, and I, I quite like that. Um, I do... I, I'm going to contradict myself within my own sentence. I do think that it is too long. You shut your heart. However, I will also defer to what Jordan said earlier in the sense that um, I think it's too long as a part one, but with the part two, it might end up making perfect sense for how long it is. But it did start to drag at points for me. Um, I wholeheartedly disagree. I know, but you're going to get your chance. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, it did drag, not a lot, but it did start to go a little bit, "Mm, okay, is this... There was a few points where I thought, all right, this is the end. This is interesting. And then 15 minutes later, I, I was going, okay, maybe this is the end. And then another 10 minutes later, I was going, that's the end. All right, cool. That's what you're saying. That, that's interesting, that, because that, like, when I watched it for the first time, because I knew it was going to end, like, very quickly and with no sort of um, summation. I was thinking, when's this going to end? And I was trying to pick when it was going to end, as in sort of like pacing-wise. However, watching it a second time, it actually flew by. The entire film Uh. just flew by because I knew where we were going. Um, ah, so you, weren't, you, you weren't waiting for the end. You, I wasn't you questioning it. Questioning the end, yeah, you were waiting for the end. That's interesting, so I think you want to rewatch it, don't you, Becky? Yes. Yeah, so... Um, on IMAX again. <laughs> well, we will get tested. Stare up and mouthed at it for the entire run time, like I did this time. Yes. Um... So, can, can I ask, um, Bex? Yes. Did you notice? So, I I talk a lot about the shifting aspect ratios of IMAX. Did you notice that with this? No. Fuck it. Is it just me? No, I I, no, yeah, I, I noticed I, it. Yeah, I, I noticed it. It's like it because the it is fucking incredible, like the sheer, all-encompassing fucking like we were talking about with the French Dispatch earlier on about like world building, but the sheer fucking force of he is fucking Arrakis during those IMAX bits. It's fucking incredible. I mean, but sorry, sorry, like Bex. You, that's cool. I fucking like open mouthed. That's such a fucking good way of phrasing it. Like you, you were into it that much. I, I absolutely loved it. It felt like I said to you when we came out, didn't I? Mm. I? I felt like people who watched the first Star Wars must have felt when they came out of the cinema, like nice. like it was something wow. special and important and big and just awe inspiring. I, I absolutely fucking adored it. I, I, I said to Mark when we came out, I think that's the closest thing to perfection you can get on a big screen without being Blade Runner. It, 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 I think it's a skill. Yeah. They manage the scale so well. Yeah. And again, that's, I think, to do with the fact that Villeneuve likes his wide shots, but the fact that 
you get the sense of how big these machines are and how big the world is. Is like, for example, the opening shot of the um, it's sort of like I mean, like a big worm spaceship in space, and you see a tiny little ship coming out of it, which is um the space guild, and they're coming to say basically to um Leto. Oscar Isaac, will you take thing of Arrakis? And they come down in that huge, like, circular pod. But then you realise that that tiny little thing is that huge. And just how incredibly... Worms as, as well. Yeah. Like with, with, with the first one, when it um, munches down the... Uh, the Spice Harvester. Harvester. Yeah. Um, and that, that, the spice harvester's fucking huge. And then this huge thing opens its mouth and eats it, and it's tiny. And like you say, just the scale of it is, it, it, it's, it's very, it's really well done. I think sometimes with things like that, things will be like disproportionate, and you're like, well, that, that doesn't work size wise. Like, um, I know you mentioned it already, but like with, with with the Lord of the Rings and stuff, like with the hobbits changing size all the time and stuff, it, mm. it's easy to get wrong. Whereas this, I think it just it just does it so perfectly. It's like it's like when they the Harkonnens come and attack Arrakis, the first explosion that comes down is ginormous. It just lights up everything, and then it's even the design of the the sort of the digging bombs as it digs through the shield explodes but the explosion is actually contained within the shield before it breaks it's just little tiny things like that make such a difference and such a, something different visually yeah I mean, it's interesting that we're, we're we're talking so much about like the visuals and the world and whatnot, but not necessarily about the performances when there are so many people like in the film. And I, I, I'll say for what it's worth, I thought I thought old uh, Timothy was fine. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. I thought from having read uh, like some of the book at least, I think he feels like Paul's meant to feel like he's not supposed to be kind of. Like his dad, basically. He's mm. supposed to be a bit more kind of introspective and more like his, his mother and the Bene Gesserit, having those qualities that she's kind of trained him in. And I think he, I think the film gets that across really well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I'd, I'd, I'd be intrigued to see what part two... I'll be, I'll be honest. Uh, no, fair enough. No, I mean, it, it's... I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying he was bad, or I'm not trying to denigrate the guy. It's like, and I think part two will probably be the making of of him there. But I really, I, I thought Rebecca Ferguson smashed yeah. the living shit out of this. I thought she was great. Yeah, yeah. Um, like just the that that whole kind of like the combination of like love for a son, but also the slight trepidation as to what she could have unleashed but also the hope like there's an awful lot of stuff going on in that performance uh, and I, I i thought she handled it really really well um you know and it, oscar isaac like he's kind of being asked to do one thing which is be like be the really good leader and the really good dad but he plays a really good leader and a really good dad 
you know, so he, he, he does that well. Um, but yeah, like I came out of it just like, yeah, Rebecca Ferguson's like the one for me. And it was like, if, I think this film's going to get nominated for a lot of technical Oscars. Mm. The big ones, I kind of wonder what it could be there for. But best supporting for Rebecca Ferguson, you'd... I think that yeah. and director are the ones, the big ones that it could get nominated for. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see to to see how it goes there. Um, just trying to think of like what the director kind of like heavy hitters are really, and I think Villeneuve's probably got a place there. Thinking about it, we'll we'll, we'll see. There's um. There's some films to come over in the next couple of months, but yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, I, I mean, uh, uh, so uh, uh, Becky and I have kind of said who our like picks for performances were. Like, Mark, where where were you at there? Uh, I think Rebecca Ferguson's fantastic in it. Uh, I didn't mind Charlemagne. I think he's he, he's fine. He, he gets the. Um, he understood the assignment. Yes. Um, <laughs> perfect. Yes. Yes. Uh, I thought Jason Moe was very good in it. I think he's great as Duncan Idaho, yeah. Yeah. Um, that kind of bonkers enthusiasm kind of vibe. Yeah. But I think... I A think little just... bit like Launchpad from um, <laughs> DuckTales. Yeah. Uh, but I thought Josh Brolin was really good as Gurney Halleck as well. It, it, he's supposed to be quite dry and quite distant. So it's perfect casting then? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I think all of it's uh, that, that... perfect. I'm sorry, I was just going to say that poster that's been doing the rounds of uh, when Dune Two was announced, and everybody's smiling, and then Gurney's still Gurney. Uh, <laughs> fucking brilliant! Yeah, um, so, sorry, George. George, how about yourself? Oh, no, oh sorry. No, to be honest, yeah, I, yeah. I think Rebecca Ferguson is is the star, really. Um, and then, but it's kind of. I, I do think. Momoa is good, but it's just Momoa is being Momoa. That's what Duncan Idaho, and that's how he's playing Duncan Idaho, which I am fine with. It's it's just the fact that Rebecca Ferguson is the soul of the movie, absolutely. And I think Chalamet plays it interestingly because it's a, this is a weird story. It's not like a ch- it's not like a chosen one, as in. or something like that he's a god he he becomes a god not like a leader of men he it's a completely different level of weird <laughs> um which i have really am living for and see what happens within this part two of this but um it's the trepidation, I think he gets just about right. I think he understands how, um, not important he is, but the fact that I think he's on a different level than other people. Um, and he plays that distance quite well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, it's, um, I don't know whether it's a film. I'll, I'll give it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna definitely give it another go on a small screen, not on my laptop, but like on my TV. But I am a little wary of the of 
of the impact that will be lost. I was I was slightly reminded by Avatar. I think it's a better film than Avatar, and I'm not gonna poop on it the way that I have done with Avatar in the past. Um, I, it, it, it is a better film than that. But I am a little bit wary of how much magic will be lost for myself. I'm glad it wasn't for Jord, uh, I must say. But um, but I do because I can't, yeah. I can't wait to watch It'll it again, even on a small screen, but with the the ratio shifts. That is... That, that's probably key for me. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Anyone, anyone got more to say on Dune or? Um, I'm, I, sure I, I'm looking forward to, to rewatching it. Yeah, and what actually saying that one thing I think in it the does right well, circumstance. Yeah. Well, one thing I think it quite Sorry, does yeah. well is it sort of thing, it gives you just enough. Like, for example, you've got. Um, the mentat at the beginning, you know, the guy who puts his eyes in the back of his head and he sort of does calculations. Like, you know he's something, but you don't really understand why and where and what. It gives you enough that intrigues you. And if you want to go off and do a bit of research or whatever, then you can. I think it gives you that nice introduction to the world and its people and religions and the beliefs and everything like that. But uh, I think I actually do think it's a good advertisement that for the book of saying right, if you really love this world, mm. then get the book and read it. Because I say what I'm doing now is I'm reading through the book again um, now, but I'm doing something very cheating. I'm actually reading the book whilst listening to the audio book at the same time, so therefore my mind doesn't wander. Fucking hell, George! Uh, sorry, um, that's some four D shit. <laughs> So I'm just literally following it whilst being read, um, which is very lazy of me. But again, it is, it's a quite a dense book and I don't find the story dense. But, I just find the fact that it's, you have a lot of, um, Mwadib or like did different names. It's like a single thing. I'll have three different names and you're following all that sort of things, um, which I find quite difficult you, to follow. You, you need to insert a HomePod Mini up your ass that's doing the score. <laughs> yes. So, it, it, you know, it's like you're reading it, you've got that in your ears, and then just coming out of your little pooper, you've just got like... <laughs> at the same time. I actually quite like the throat singing in this as well, The um, when, you, when you get to the prison planet. <laughs> But yeah, I want to say... Like that? Yeah. That, that was impressive, actually. I am. You should throw her now. <laughs> no, it was, it was quite nice. I know. I think it's one of those things that I think I will enjoy more and more as I watch it. And I think, again, it's one of those things where... I, mean, I don't do half stars, but it's a four-star movie. But after the part two comes out and we see the whole thing, then the entire piece could just be a... What I mean to be honest, it could be one of the strongest sci-fi experiences, like cinematically, that there could be. Um, I think it's in the perfect hands for it as well. Mm. Yeah, definitely not shit. Oh, no, absolutely, definitely. Shit. Yeah. Our audience, Paul. Do you not want to know mine? I think we all know yours. Full Fallout. 
Is it full fallout? Yeah. Wow. Wow, we really? In my fallout for the year. I don't think anything's going to top it, so. Wow. Wow. No one's expecting a fallout. Fucking fallout, baby. Uh, definitely not shit 74%. Touching cloth 21%. And shit 5%. Aww. They're, they're just really committed to the mm. David Lynch one. I mean, the Lynch one is, it's got sting. you know, like, not that far away from this, to be fair. <laughs> it just, it, it's like the first hour of the Lynch one it broadly plays the same beats as this, just with over two and a half hours. It really does. Like, I watched the Lynch one a couple months back, you know, and it, it, it it's... The, the beats are there. It's just like the second part feels like in the Lynch one, it's on extreme fast forward. Hmm. <laughs> it's, it, it's been a while since I've watched the Lynch one. I think I might rewatch it at some point very soon. Yeah, it's fucking fascinating film, that. Um, George, do you want to hang around or do you want to take your leave? What do you want to do, bud? Do you know what? I might actually take my leave. Um I've got some little things to do before the day ends, but um, I was actually going to watch The Haunting, but then I thought, really, do I really need to do this? I remember watching it even back in the back in the VHS days. I used to own it on VHS, and other than one kill that I still remember to this day, I still remember it being pretty bad. Owen Wilson. It be- is it the Lion Head? Oh, some someone swings down. Where it like knocks his head yeah, off. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But other than that, that's my um, real main memory. S- some may say it's the only memorable fi- fi- part of the entire fucking film, George. Well, there we are. It's been a good 15, 16 years since I've seen it, so it still lasts. You got a. Uh, do you want to? Do you want to plug away, George? Um. To be honest, not so much. I mean, yes, his film, her movie, but we haven't recorded in like three months. We still need to get back into it. It might be changing format, but that hasn't been, well, I haven't decided of of yet. But yeah, go to his film, her movie. There's like, what, maybe 60 episodes there. If you haven't listened to it, you can get into the the catalogue and enjoy more of my dulcet northern tones. (laughs) Fucking right. Thank you ever so much for coming on, George. Nice one, dude. No worries. Thank you for having me. Tara. Always a pleasure. Pleasure. Bye-bye, bud. Should we do... Oh, my God. We need to do some what we've been watching. It's a good thing it's half-term this week. Jesus Christ. Um, I'd be I'd be getting some definite you-need-to-keep-it-downs by now. Um, Bex, what have you been watching this week? Oh, I don't think I've watched anything on my own. Have I? Hang on I don't a sec. Know. Have you? Give us a sec. I don't think I have. No. I've been watching only murders in the building. Fair enough. That's about it. I've not watched anything on my own either. Uh-huh. What we what, what have we watched though? Oh shit. Okay. Uh well. Oh, we watched Wes Craven's New Nightmare. We did watch Wes Craven's New Nightmare. I really like New Nightmare. Nice. Hell yeah. It's definitely one of the better um, what's-it sequels. Mm. For sure. 
Yeah, it's um, I, I, I just think it's an interesting kind of way of doing it and making it meta without being too wink wink. That it, 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 it's like meta mm. before meta became a thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I kind of really dig that about it, about the idea of it. Is like I say that it's it's meta before meta existed. Hmm. Uh, also, Freddy's a great horror character. Yeah, it's. I think it's an oddity in the fact that not all of the the Nightmare on Elm Street sequels are are bad. No, um, but they did get bad for a while. What's that one in like the children's um, Dream Warrior? I like that. Um, yeah, so Dream Warriors decent. Um, what else did we watch? We also um, watched the. The 1993 Alicia Silverstone and Carrie Elwes film, The Crush. Yeah. <laughs> like, nice. Um, which is an odd little movie. Yeah, it really is very, very strange. It is. You're watching it going, hmm, hmm. 1993 was a strange time, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> because you would not get away with this now. Oh, God, no. No. Oh. No. She's basically Cher if Cher was fucking bonkers, though she plays it in the same way. Cher? Yeah, that's what she's called in Clueless. Oh, from Clueless, they're in Cher. <laughs> <laughs> so, two things. One, Cher is pretty bonkers. Uh, secondly, what? <laughs> <laughs> she can't turn back time, Mark. Uh, but yeah, like the when she's when she's she's like Cher's smart sister. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There is an element to that, but it, it, it's it's more the constant fucking shots of her in a bikini and stuff when it's a seventeen-year-old Alicia Silverstone. Felt a little bit leery. She's in a bikini. I know, but it's still very. It's. It was a bit much at points. She's supposed to be like 14. And she's supposed to be 14. Hang on a fucking breaking news. Mark, did you just send me CI Ape? (laughs) Did you? What? Well, yes, I will redeem it. Hang on, what? Let me just CI ape the That's a film. Yeah. What? Yeah, redeem it. Right, okay. I do I need to watch CI ape? No. Do you know no, no. I've got to watch two Hellraiser films with fucking Uruk Sukadoji. I'm not making any promises. Oh, no, you, you, you watch it at your leisure, bud. Okay. All right. I now have CI Ape in my library. I just, Thanks. I just thought you'd like that. Mark. <laughs> Sorry, Bex. No, no, it's fine. I, I didn't realise he'd done that, so that was news to me as well. <laughs> I saw it and thought, he didn't like that. It's got an A. It's in the CIA. How much was it? 
Two ninety nine. All right, that's good. I'm I, I, I'm happy with the two ninety nine I just spent. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy with the fact that at some point Ian's going to watch that and go and then be like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> In the world of espionage, dangerous missions require an agent with a unique set of skills, one that possesses unparalleled bravery and an ability to eat, melt even the most villainous hearts. This can only be a job for CIA. The first ever ever chimpanzee joins law enforcement at the highest level, the CIA. Right, question on that sentence. The first ever chimpanzee joins law enforcement at the highest level, the CIA. Surely it should be the first ever chimpanzee to join any kind of law enforcement joins at the highest level. This makes it sound like the first chimpanzee ever uh, born also finds itself working for the CIA. Anyway, when a criminal plot is discovered, the CIA quickly turns to their newest operative, CIA, to foil the the plot from the inside. With the Council of Crimes' recent advancements of a high-tech weapon, CIA and his expert team launch a strategic high-tech plan to fight evil. CIA and team used a unique skill set to destroy the nefarious weapon, but in the process uncover collateral damage in the form of a lonely girl. CIA hatches a dangerous plan to rescue the girl and proves that friendship prevails above all when dealing with espionage of the heart. Right. I just need to unpack that incredibly... Right. So, in the process, uncover collateral damage in the form of a lonely girl, and then CIA hatches a dangerous plan to rescue the girl. So, in the process of destroying the nefarious weapon, they uncover the girl, and then have to rescue the girl, and then they have to prove that friendship prevails above all when dealing with espionage of the heart. What does that mean? <laughs> oh, this is exactly what I wanted to happen. I mean, right. This stars Sophia Alonghi, Angal Rosario, and Madeline Kientz, and is directed by Ali Zamani. None of those names. I'm. I, none of those names are real. Espionage of the heart. Espionage of the heart, Ian. (coughs) Oh, wait. Skip Schwick is also in it. Who? A guy called Skip Schwick. Bex, carry on. I can't remember where I was. Crushy's fun. Push his fun. Cool. That that's great. I'm sorry. It's alright. <laughs> it's Mark's fault, really. It is my fault. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, crush. It is it, fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, that that's that, that's it for what we watched this week because we also watched like two Hellraiser movies and the haunting. So, I mean, uh, I you know, I, I'm already in this state of mind. So, the Boss Baby 2 family business. Um, so, 
<sighs> Story starts. Toby Maguire has been replaced by James Marsden. And even though the boss baby, where they were kids, seemed to take place like now, um, Tim and uh, Alec Baldwin's character uh, are now older, and Tim's got a couple of kids and a family. So um, this is either 20 years in the future or... The Boss Baby 1 was 20 years in the past, but neither make any sense. Um, so there is more right. questions then. So, uh, uh, right. Tim and the Boss Baby, whose name I forget, um, have grown apart. Um, Tim's kid, Tina, well, the little kid, he has an older kid, um, is also a boss baby. She has to get him to be friends with the boss baby again because they are both needed to uncover the nefarious dealings of a, uh, a, a an educator voiced by Jeff Goldblum um, who seems to be turning uh, kids against parents. Full spoilers for the Boss Baby 2 family business coming up. So the educator turns out to not be an educator, but is actually also a baby, voiced by Jeff Goldblum, in a man suit, um, who runs a school, runs a series of schools around the world, um, and in them also has babies who, in the same principle that if you give monkeys typewriters long enough, they will write Shakespeare, these babies write code for so long that they create an app which, if parents take a photo using the app, will fall under the control of Jeff Goldblum's... uh, baby and that baby will then take over the world okay that's the boss baby too um um many 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 questions uh, 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 about the boss baby too um didn't hate it it's like an hour and 45 minutes and this film in no way on God's green earth needs to be an hour and 45 minutes. The first one was quite long as well, but this one felt real long. Um, weirdly, the new baby is not that much of a part of it. Like, literally, they don't get to go on many of the set piece bits which is odd. Yeah. Um, um, there is a joke in it about how Alec Baldwin's character, one of his greatest fears is being shot. Which is rough. Um, but there is also a fantastic bit 
where James Marsden's character's wife is outside of the room and hears Alec Baldwin and James Marsden going, you suck it, no, you suck it, no, you suck it, no, you suck it. And instead of like bursting into the room and going, right, who's sucking what? Says to her kids, right, I think we need to leave. Daddy's got something to work out here. Or something like that. And it's a little bit... Is there actually a joke about James Marsden and Alec Baldwin like, seeming like they want to suck each other off or are forcing each other to suck each other's dicks? Um, the The Boss Baby Family Business is a fascinating film. Um, and also a very, very ordinary film. But Jeff Goldblum ba- plays a really smart baby who is making other babies code um, and is doing it in a completely Jeff Goldblum way, and that's actually relatively worth watching. Didn't hate it, three stars. Boss baby family business. <laughs> is it going to be another one? I mean, literally, at the end of it, Lottie turned to me and said, well, there's going to be another one, isn't there? And I I, I, I can't wait. Um, so, a couple others. I watched The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. That film fucking rules. Anyone who hates that film doesn't like joy. Fuck you, those people. I also watch Step Brothers. The same applies. There once was a house. A bright, happy home. Something bad happened. Now it sits all alone. Is this where you're going? That's Hill House. It's perfect, isn't it? We all suffer from sleep disorders. My job is to find out why. What's the deal with the Adams Family Mansion? I gotta be honest, I don't get a real strong sleep vibe from this place. <laughs> don't you love it here? This is so twisted. Calling it an insomnia study allows me to create a highly suggestive environment to observe the dynamics of fear. You don't tell the rats, they're actually in a maze. I just think Dr. Marrow's up to something. Have you ever kept something yourself because you were afraid? All the time. I'm sorry. You scared the... What's happening? 
The Haunting is directed by Jan de Bont and stars Lily Tomlin, Liam Neeson, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Owen Wilson, and a bunch of CG. Bex, um, I stopped you talking about this last week because I said let's do a retro review. Can I ask you, why am I such a prick? I mean, maybe maybe you just didn't realise how much you were going to dislike it. Did you, Mark, did you really hate it? Why? <laughs> I fucking hated it. I was really, really bored. I was so fucking bored and just thinking, I have to watch this because I said I would. <laughs> Mark, I'm not going to watch a Rooksucker Doji, or at least I am, and I'm going to hate myself. Yep. And me. More a statement than a question. How was The Haunting? The problem I think I have with The Haunting is that it's the entire cast, either before they became interesting or after they were interesting. (laughs) So it's... Liam Neeson, when he was still playing soft-spoken, dashing professors, uh, before he became badass Liam Neeson, it's Catherine Zeta-Jones at the peak of her, oh, look at me, aren't I charismatic and wonderful and everybody thinks I'm fantastic, when everyone was going, no. (laughs) Um, It's Owen Wilson kind of before he became funny. But he's he's sweet. He's sweet, and he's not quite playing. He's not that found the Owen Wilsoniness. No, of it yet. He, he does do a couple. He does do a couple. Wow. He does do that, but it's 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 not wow. quite post Zoolander Owen Wilson. No, where he kind of did find you know that where he could be Owen Wilson in things rather than being. Um, having to essentially play the character that is written on the page. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it's... The thing is, you really... You, you, I think you'd say for this, Bex, that you really like it, but I'm, I'm not even sure you'd say it's a great, mo- a good movie or anything. No, I enjoy it, and I enjoy it because it's... Like I sort of started to say last time, I think it's, it's interesting to watch different takes on the same source material. And obviously, this is a different take on the haunting of Hill House. So, which I, I mean, it's it's better than this. I'm not going to lie, but I quite like this. So, yeah. Whereas I, I don't mind watching it because I can kind of let it just kind of drift over me, is what I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just. It's the the thing is right the 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 Robert Wise the haunting is just fantastically atmospheric, and it, it's got the kind of the the bones of what this is doing. But th- th- this feels like it's Jan de Bont going, "Yes, I can do this, but let let's do it Hollywood." Oh yes, and it you know I mean it's a twelve. And I mean, the original Hauntings are 12 as well, but that film is doing a, a, a lot of dread to warrant a 12. Here, it's a 12 because there are 
like jumpy scares. And I, I don't, I, it, it just, I thought there was interesting shit going on early on where like Lily Tomlin and Catherine Zeta Jones and like their dynamic is odd and sparky and like probably quite progressive for late 90s, like mainstream Hollywood stuff. Um, but then it just turns into this Blair, very, very mild scares. Oh, she's going mad, even though she's obviously not because we're watching the film called The Haunting. And then just the, the, the CGI addled stuff at the end. And the only thing, like I said, when, when George was on, the only fucking memorable bit of this film, and it needed more of this, was Owen Wilson's kill, which felt incredibly unfair on that fucking character. And also, the, the insinuation is, okay, so his spirit is now just going to be lingering in that house with Lily Tomlin. It would have been nice if we saw his spirit float away at the end. Is all, I, I yeah, I, I poopy film, poopy film, guys. Fair enough. I'm not going to disagree with it because I, 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 it, it is a bit pants. Yeah, it's not great, but it's not shit. But it is. <laughs> oh dear. Definitely shit. Yeah, shit. It's not shit. I'd say it's a touching cloth, though. That's probably. fine. Yeah. Poopy film. Questions? Uh, Andrew Jones, uh, what director would you want to imprison in the development of a Quiet Place Universe movie and how long before you let them out of their contract and back into the real world? <laughs> so, uh, uh, for context, the news that Jeff Nichols is uh, uh, amicably parted ways with uh, doing the Quiet Place spin-off. Um... I don't think I hate a director that much. Yeah, I was thinking about this. <laughs> and the thing is, it, do, do, I, I don't think I hate a director enough. And the ones that I do, I just don't care about enough for them to, 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 to muzzle them, to be honest. I think I'd just be very much like, do you know what? I don't have to watch their movies, so I just won't. Mm. But if other people do, fair enough. That's, that's, that's kind of where I am with it, which feels a bit like a cop-out. Um, so I'm going to say... Oh, what's that fucking prick? I don't like... Wes Anderson. No, 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 no. I really don't like it. It did the, it did the terrible Total Recall um, remake. Oh... Len Wiseman. Yeah, that's the answer. That's the answer. But that's the but answer. he hasn't. Re- it doesn't seem like he's done anything in fucking ages. No, that's let, the thing. Let's, let's hope that he, that's because he's, he's he's currently trying to develop a, a quiet place movie. In Len Wiseman, that's married to Kate Beckinsale. He was married to Kate Beckinsale. Uh, yes. Yep. 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 So yeah, fuck that guy. What a prick. <laughs> yeah, that's the right answer. Rick Kidd, at Rick J. Kidd. After Dune and Blade Runner 2049, has Denis Villeneuve inherited Ridley Scott's world-building crown? If not, who else is a contender? 
I, I think absolutely off the back of June. I think it's it yeah, builds, probably uh, is builds the world without smashing you around the face with it in a way that feels. Look at this world I've built. It's just there, and it's just beautifully fleshed out. Try to think of, of, of anybody else that's there are. Um, I, I, when, um, yourself and John were talking about um, the uh, French Dispatch it's um, you've got you know the world building of someone like Wes Anderson that is there but it is it, it, the world is already built and it, it, it's the same world mm. uh, that's not I'm not saying that as a criticism mm. um, so I think the, 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 but yeah for, 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 for creating an atmosphere of different Places in yeah, it, it, it's it's pretty yeah. I, would, I, I, I I struggle to think of somebody else that you could put in. I think it'd be lazy to try and go to pick out some like Nolan and like that. Cause I don't think there's there's, a, there's as much world building within that. I think mm. the story building within it, mm. um, but it's not world building like something like like Blade Runner did or like like Dune has done. Um, you, you know, there, there is, I think you could definitely say that for sure. Uh, there's nobody that comes to mind with that. I think it is Dennis Villeneuve. Yeah. 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 You know, if, if, if it was about somebody else, Dennis Villeneuve would be the answer I think we'd all come up with. Yeah, yeah. Probably says something that um, it does feel like there is only one person. I think there's. Um, I think because we're we're in a place at the moment where um, a lot of world building is created from. I mean, this is created from existing content, but um, blockbuster cinema has been um, homogenized by um, a collection, a, a, a few franchises uh, within them that are the the world building is not done by one particular person within that. So I think that, that that's created a difference for it. And the other non-franchise um, like big movies um, are not as interested in, in creating otherworldly places um, is what I would say there. So you, you, your, big, your big blockbusters that aren't superhero movies have been Bond, well, the Bond world already exists, have been Fast and Furious. The Fast and Furious worlds that already exist. Mm. So um, the other ones there would be the Nolan movies, but he's not world-building because he sets them all within a, a specific time and place. Yeah. Um, I think an outside of that, you know, you know Again, Tarantino's not trying to world build, and if he is, his world is he exists within that within the, the, the Tarantino universe. Yeah, and it's like just next door to normal world, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think there's, there's that, but yeah, I think there is. I think as we're coming out of, you know, what happened with Marvel and Marvel being a little bit, they seem to be not quite getting back into gear I think it is leaving a little bit of space open for for you know for back when you know a few years ago people were saying well, there's no new there's no new thing starting everything in the sequel the sequel the sequel yeah, yeah. Um, and then I think this year has been the year that's kind of starting to maybe break that down a little bit and then we're going to get sequels to all these movies so oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh Dylan Black Lanterns. Um, 
After Kiki's tribute to the Red Shoes, what classic would you like to, her to tackle next? I mean, knowing Kiki, it would probably be that dance in the Suspiria remake where someone ends up getting murdered. I was going to say that one, to be honest. That thing would be funny. I want to see a pay tribute to the Never Ending Story and learn how to fly. I mean, that's good. I mean, flat for a year goes for a walk. Yeah, he is fucking. He is Mary Poppins in it down the fucking road with a dog. <laughs> Fuck. I mean, she's a, she's a big girl as well. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Kiki has Falcor. It'd make Donna like her more. So I'm up for it. But <clears throat> anyway, sorry, that was a weird note. On which uh, is that it for Twitter that questions? Twitter questions, yeah. What we covering next week, Ian? So uh, next week we're covering. Uruksukadoji. <laughs> How long is it? It's really short. It's only like two hours forty, I think. <laughs> For, it's not really. How long is it? <laughs> I, I, I'm fairly certain it's under two hours. Great. So we're going to be doing that. Um, we're also going to be talking about last night in Soho. Uh, I believe we will also be talking about antlers. So, yeah, Last Night in Soho is a defo, um, and Antlers, uh, hopefully. Um, great sign of support by cinema exhibitors with that film, where it seems like you basically can't see it before, like, 6 o'clock in the evening anywhere uh, for a new release. So, uh, that will be good. Um and, uh, yeah, I suppose that's it, actually. Uh, we've got to record the Hellraiser. So uh, thank you ever so much to George, his film or movie. We are a podsyndicate.com podcast. Uh, go to podsyndicate.com for more like-minded shows. <laughs> Et j'ai pleuré, 
Podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. <laughs>